night, good morning, and good afternoon, and welcome to another exciting episode of Real Tennis Fans. Um, if you're missing out on the Black Cauldron, it's all Janina's fault. So just putting it out there for all the fans who's missing hot 11 billion teams of the Deadly Hallows. It's Janina's fault. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Send our comment to her, leave Deb and I out of it, okay? That is not <laughs> our business. But ladies, we are into the French Open. And before I go any further, let me get into the exciting tennis and hot mess that is the French Open. We know it's Paris and we know there will be filth. We know there will be trash. Uh, it's Paris and under, in Paris to say, la poubelle. It's garbage. It's rubbish all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> So, before we get into the hot messes that is at Paris, let me introduce you, introduce you ladies. So, and it's a lovely day, just so you know, at least in my neck of the woods. Janine is outside, I can see her. So, it's gorgeous. a lovely day. Janine Andrine is smiling, and she got her hair all flowing, so it's a lovely day. Where she is California, so it's mostly lovely days anyway. And she's trying to flash us, people. <laughs> she is in her jammy still. I mean, it's No, she's new. not. She's in a robe. Operate on our time. She's Would you get like your Mara ass dressed? <laughs> <laughs> I love this robe, y'all. It's so great. It was a little gift to myself, and it's just so luxe. It so what? <laughs> it's ninety degrees here, so I don't want no robe on me. <laughs> so we have Andrine from Soli Tennis Travel. She's in her robe, which means she's back home where she lives. You are right. I am. I am back home. I had I took a little mini break to Mexico City. It was fantastic. I'm already planning my next trip and let's all go to Mexico City together because it's a wonderful place. Let's hope that everyone is vaccinated. I want to go. You know what? I don't even know if I mean, I think their vaccination numbers are a little bit interesting, but um, they're in the 40s age group. That's where they are. So anyone in their 40s can begin the vaccination process. <laughs> but I will say every place I entered the cosmetic taking my temperature also every <laughs> the forced here is um please wipe please wipe your hands with this fluid <laughs> absolutely you must do it and then also please step on this disinfectant uh, mat um i kept avoiding it thinking why am i going to step on this wet thing that's down here but then someone said they're disinfecting the bottom of your shoe <laughs> oh, okay. oh my gosh wow that's impressive however remember that we had all that uh sanitizer recalled from mexico because they were putting some kind of stuff in it that was going to kill you so i hope you're okay <laughs> so far so good so far so good I, I have to tell you so that well my gym no longer requires the temperature check right but they keep doing it and I keep telling them that, you know, that it never works for me uh, because my oh, yeah. average temperature when I go in there is 90 degrees. 90. <laughs> like, I swear to God, I have registered 89.7 at one time. So the, the girl, the, girl then, the, lady, the lady then asked me, have you been exposed to normal COVID? I said, ma'am, if this is my temperature, don't worry about COVID. I am dead. Don't worry about COVID. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> All my friends kept saying was that they've cornered the market on that damn temperature thing because every single one has them. They well, like, I, and I keep yeah. telling them that it doesn't seem to be like, you know, it, it doesn't capture people of color correctly. Right. Probably so, and, and because I do the inner risk, I was like, maybe my inner exactly. risk. Exactly. That, that's what I had to do because it would never capture me when I stand in front of the thing. Eventually, they got a new one, and the new one kept reading me steady 89, 90, 91, 92 every single day. And I'm just like, y'all do know this thing isn't 
effective, right? Like, surely you're just registering a temperature. That's all that you need to. That's that's what Listen, the purpose seems to be. Do what you must. I wore a mask the whole time. I had to take a test to come back into the country to prove that I was COVID negative. I was like, ooh, <laughs> did I have backup plan if I turn out to be COVID positive? Yeah, what were, were you going to do? I was going to crash on people's floor. <laughs> <laughs> On the sanitized flow, though, because they weren't playing with you. <laughs> no, I, so. uh, I just have to say, like, the Jamaican me in me feels a lot of nostalgia because Mexico City kind of weirdly reminds me of the Caribbean. Old um, world, Spanish Old colonial. world, yeah. Like, yeah. And then the, the combination of old and new together. Like, I'd like to be right out of this fancy Ritz Carlton and then go next door and get myself an empanada from a lady standing right there. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love those contradictions. I know. I mean, like that, it's what really colonizers like it. do. I mean, that, that is how colonizers operate. <laughs> Let's modernize, but have some authenticity here, okay? Let's, Listen, oh do what you do. <laughs> but it's beautiful to see your lovely faces. Y'all, we can see each other on camera, and I'm just loving this beautifulness. I've got my dark chocolate on the left and my wonderful caramel on the right. Mm. I, I, I got you a suntan yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I stayed outside all day. So I had my, I was outside having coffee on the patio and the sun was hitting my right arm. And all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, my left arm is still very white. Um, so I, I totally, this was at like 7am. And I don't know why I got up so early on Saturday morning, but I did. So I went and I grabbed blanket thing that I have and I laid it down in my backyard and I took a nap on and off for like three hours to even out my tan and now I feel like I'm a brown girl again yes. I swear to god you people and your tan evenness just get on my last friggin nerve like you just well, like I don't understand this, it it's like well it's I mean she can't weird. compete do you see my background do you see my background <laughs> on my phone it's all dark oh, chocolate cocoa <laughs> But here's the thing. This is why I was more concerned because on Tuesday I have to be in a photo shoot for work for diversity. Oh shoot! They were like, "Wait, we got the wrong What the hell? Like those things? Because my face is never correct. I would never make the right face that they want me to be. Like this is a happy place. But I feel bad. One of my nurse practitioners that I'm going to be doing photos with is this gorgeous young black woman named Corey. And uh, I was like, Corey, I need you to come to work that day with your hair all natural in your big, cute afro because she wears her hair in this cute, curly afro sometimes. And she said, girl, no, I ain't taking my weave out already. I ain't had it long <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That would have been too much. That would have been too black and black. Exactly. Oh, I was ready to rock that shit. I was ready to make like my you. hair so big and rock that shit. <laughs> they want people like you, Janina. That feels like a melting pot is happening here. You're going to be front and center with your legs crossed. You're going to be the center for right. I assure you. <laughs> Oh, well, see, this is, see, this is, see, the photo finish we're talking about is the photo finish that the RG could have had if people didn't keep withdrawing from this messy place. Oh, man. oh my well, wait, God. Well, wait, no. wait, we have Janina from far in Ohio. We're getting oh, yes. things where we get excited <laughs> when we see each other. <laughs> well, Carmel, you know, Carmel, Janina is what we're talking about. <laughs> 
Uh, but yes, <laughs> then you have the homosexual of the podcast. So I guess let's happy get Pride in. Month, homosexual. I mean, I don't know if it's happy because I mean we already have a Danish player um, calling people fag on the coast. <gasps> oh, Stop! Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know about God. this. Oh, look at you starting at the top of the hour. Okay, I said Happy Pride Month for all of all of us wonderful people. Um, but then Reels has to bring the real tea. <laughs> I'm okay, spill the tea because I don't know this. I think, I think his name sip. is like Arun, I think his name is. Yeah, it's definitely like Rune is the last. Yeah, he was playing um Trongo Velletti for the, from mm-hmm. Argentina. I have his last name wrong, but I think it's the same guy that made a splash a couple years ago that I was driving from, you know, yeah, yeah, all to, to the to, night. To chase yeah. <laughs> uh, Marcos, I think his first name was. Um, he was a lucky loser and he drove all the place to get to the first round. Uh, they were playing a challenger, of course, um, and he, I think it was five all, uh, close to five all, um, five four, mm-hmm. with um, Rune in the, um, he was up five, and they were at deuce, and they were playing, and he made a mistake, and then he just started to scream, you're a pussy player, you're a fag, and he was going all about it, he's going all about it, and it's like, it's called, of course, challenges are on camera. And it's right there. And the umpire just called out the score. He just Stop! Left. Stop! <laughs> was he saying it in language? Was he saying it in a language that the umpire? He was definitely understand? saying it in Danish. Um, but ATP has a whole long list because I have seen umpires had arguments with players about you're saying this in Russian. CC Fast gets in trouble all the time for Greek. Like they say, like, sir, <laughs> we know what you're saying. Like, don't play us. Well, maybe we just don't know all the bad words in Danish. And so now they're going to have to report it now and, and see what comes out of it, right? Because well, maybe someone in, the comment, someone in the comment section was just like, I'm Dane and I can confirm he said it all. Like, the translation wow. is definitely correct. And he went on to win the match, by the way. And yeah, he, <laughs> he probably did. will have a $2 fine. Well, I do know that we have someone who, on my timeline who covers a lot of Danish TV. So I'm sure he's going to have lots of things to tell us about Holger mm. and how we should be having all sorts of compassion for Holger as no, about no, 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 right no. now. So we, we, I'm eager to see our Danish experts talk to us about what we should understand about Holger's ideas about. Yeah, he, he, won the, he won the challenger, um, yep. Biela. He won the challenge. It was the final. Um, and, and as we're talking about challenger, guess who's in the finals of Little Rock, Arkansas? Who? No other than Jock Sock. Oh, oh that's shit. so great. I really like him on the challenge circuit. I feel like that's a really appropriate space for his I mean, set. that's where he belongs. I mean, no, and, I, I, and I, that's not even a disc. I think it's great. I think it's great for you to work your way up. And could you imagine that someone that your fellow player said, you're not even pulling your weight for doubles. We don't even want you for doubles. <laughs> like, they didn't even bring him off as the bro. I mean, not messy. <laughs> Listen, Beth- Bethany Maddox Sands has already taken that slot. Yeah, she she and Iga Swantek are playing doubles together. Can I can I tell you guys something? I keep hearing about Swantek. Yep. And how she won last year. You didn't remember. Can I tell you that I have absolutely zero recollection of this? I know zero. she did. I don't know if I didn't watch it or what. I was like, is this for real? Did she win in doubles? Like, who is this? <laughs> I don't know if we should keep this in because this tells people what real tennis fans is all about. Listen, no, 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 no not no, true. It's true though. If we think about when Roland Garros happened last year, we were we were all 
mentally somewhere else trying oh, to totally, figure totally. out if we were gonna live or die. No, I was trying to remind <laughs> myself. I was trying to remind myself of who was in the frustrate, who was in the Australian Open final. I was like, wait, did Nolay win that last year as as well? I could yeah. not recall for. <laughs> He doesn't drop that bag. He doesn't drop that bag. Everywhere else, he fumbles that bag. I will tell you, though, for all everyone was bitching about the U.S. Open last year, I do recall both of those finals. Unfortunately, we did. (laughs) I mean, you can trash the ATP boys all you want, but I recall that crazy final, and I (laughs) definitely recall Naomi Osaka. (laughs) I mean, and this this is just the thing that I find so interesting about tennis at this point particularly everyone controversy or not we forget that we are still in a panini like literally and this isn't like a i don't want to say influence this isn't like whooping cough i don't even know like you know like (laughs) chicken pox panini right (laughs) this is literally a pandemic that is killing people every day like every day but isn't that, but listen, isn't this the nature of the beast? I mean, we all live in like capitalist slash capitalist adjacent countries and we just got to get going. We got to get on with our lives. I mean, no, but, is this but, Darwin's law? Survival of the fittest? But this is not even, but you see, it's like this, I find it so bizarre that, you know, they keep talking just like literally six months ago, like today, like, and tennis being an international sport, this isn't like the NFL, right? The NFL could go on and do whatever they want to do because it's an American thing and Americans can do their whoop-de-whoop, you know, jingoistic nonsense. This is an international sport, right? South American players, Asian players. And the crazy thing is the global vaccination rate, the global, right, is 2%? I know. Maybe 3%? And that is out of 100, okay? Just so we know. It's out of a hundred, okay? That literally, if we take the United States and England out of the conversation, that there are countries that have not seen a single vaccine. None. The world is fucked. The majorities of the country. Yeah, I think it's a really strange thing. I had to keep reminding myself of that because people, you know, in our country, we keep saying things like post-pandemic. Um, which is probably like post-racial, but anyway, um, the, the two are intertwined. I don't know. go there. We don't I have know. time for that. We won't go there. <laughs> but um, so we're doing post-pandemic, and then someone put up a map of the world, and it's like, I know you all been saying post-pandemic, and then all in red is basically where the pandemic is still <laughs> operational. I know. Yeah. And 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 we're like, yeah. And so it's like, I think that's why I think overall, let's have a little bit of compassion for even the tournament itself, trying to pretend that it's a normal period in the world. And but it's that making normal players demands, are being though. normal. Hmm? And it's making, but the problem is that we keep making normal demands. Yes, we do. It's, which is, which is, and even, I, let me even correct myself, not even just normal demands. It's asking people to go above and beyond while trying to, to pretend that we are still normal. The well, WTA is going to go to Asia uh, pretty soon. I don't know where in Asia, but everywhere in Asia, the numbers are going up. Their calendars hasn't, their calendar has not opened. Like, I mean, I think the ATP's calendar is more established right. than the WTA. So I think the WTA, knowing that it is going to Asia, has not put anything on its calendar, to be honest. Well, they still have a race to wherever. Yeah, Shenzhen, right? Shenzhen, mm-hmm. right? I didn't want to make, I thought I was making that up in my mind. I was no. just like, it's Shenzhen. <laughs> they still have a race to Shenzhen. And I'm just like, 
everywhere. I mean, and we, we a race to nowhere, basically. Exactly, and but they got but time. If, to but in that, no, but even yeah. for all that, we do have this ridiculous tournament that is going on right now that we call RG. Um, what have you all watched? What has gotten you really excited this week? You know what's getting me excited? Mm-hmm. Medvedev. <laughs> Say that out loud. And setup. It's a setup, Janina. It's, it's not a setup. The motherfucker never wins here. He never wins on clay at all. And he has totally been silly about it. And I think that that has helped him. And he actually um, looks good. I've caught more of him than I've caught more of this entire tournament than I expected to catch. Um but he's actually playing well. He said the court's playing fast. Federer said that as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's ultimately probably what's helping some of the people that don't typically do well on clay. But yeah, I'm like, ooh. It's, yeah, I thought he would have a harder time with Garin. I mean, because that's actually what Garin like is traditionally known yes. as a clay quarter, right? But and isn't it wild? Isn't it absolutely wild that your number two player <laughs> is the dark horse? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> relative. Well, we just came out of a panini, right? So we know these, according to Zerev, these rankings are not real. They're not real. <laughs> Zerev is right. But you know what's funny about it is I was, I know, you know, for those who follow numbers, you know, the mathematicians in our group. Statisticians. Um, instead really, of chart. Like, he could theoretically win. He could theoretically become number one. <laughs> Because here's the crazy thing about here's the crazy thing about that lower the bottom half of the draw. None of the problem people are in there. You don't have to lift any clear any hurdle until you get to the final. Possibly. This, they, because they, they, Federer they, and Nole and Divadal, they have to knock each other out. Well, Federer yeah, excused himself out of that mess. Yeah. But Two of them can't. You you do not have to jump over any of these hurdles until you get to the final. So you're assured of getting a plate at the very least, getting well, some money. Actually, you're assured not only of getting a plate, you're assured of a new finalist by right. virtue of yeah. um, Dominic Team losing. Which, by the way, they laid that carpet for Dominic Team, and he was like, I mean, I, "No bueno, I don't want it." Said, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking a detour this year. Sorry. <laughs> I don't not like Clay so much anymore. Exactly. Was that a surprise to you, or is he just I'm still not in surprised his slump? I you saw know, him. I, I, you know what? I listen. If it's a little bit of the reverse of what happened with Sloan and some of the others, which is that Dominic team hasn't been doing well on the lead up. But I thought that you know, best of five. You have time Mm-mm. to settle yeah. in, get your head right. As Federer has said, it's a very forgiving five setter, Ben Rothenberg, which is why we're not getting rid of it. Um, it's really good, and so I thought he would turn his fortunes around coming in. I did. I didn't think he was going to get to the final, but once I also saw the draw, I was like, "Well, this is a generous draw." So do what you do with it. What I you mean, want. he 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 was he was getting dragged through the Chitlin Circuit all <laughs> through the year. <laughs> the players, the players had no respect for Dominic. None. I mean, it was he was getting. Well, who does? Does anyone? I, I mean. I mean, a couple of years before, you were, you were contending with Dominic, right? Dominic was not losing. Well, he was, he playing was the, everywhere. And he was he, the Rafa. He was definitely the one who seemed to have decided that he was going to drink the Kool Aid like Rafa and Nole did and damage their bodies. Exactly. I mean, like, and he surface. was, and he was really willing to take these boys on, right? Like, he was yep. going after Nole. Nole was his pigeon, RG. He was just like Nole, you're not passing here. Let me go. De- <laughs> let me get a chance. At, at getting my ass kicked by Divadal. I mean, exactly. <laughs> I don't care. Let me get. But he didn't. 
you're right physical might be a part of it but i do think there's something mental going on like you said you know might be the you win your first slam because he said explicitly you know like this is all i've ever wanted to win a slam maybe and he's done i have done that so one and done and you know, well, and, you know personally, I mean, again you know, we're in a panini it's a strange thing i mean there is no way he can look back at that finals and thought wow this is a sweet and wonderful victory you know what i mean it was just hot mess you know what I mean? Like, just by the skin of his teeth, he got that match, right? Like, that could have been anybody's match. So, there was no real confirmation. And, I mean, who's shouting you in the middle of an empty stadium? Like, who is praising you? You know what I mean? Like, that just, it was like a hollow victory, you know? So, and then he didn't follow it up. You know, he did well at the Australian Open before he's gotten to the finals, if I'm not mistaken. And everybody, I mean, like, you do not want to be scrubs. You don't want to be that guy who the scrubs are taking on. Like, Scrubs are like, oh, Dominic, let me get a buy right here. There's something kind of affirming to me about it, though, because he was so aggressively horrific during the pen during the um the pandemic you know he was just like ruthlessly like playing seemingly a soulless march and then he finally wins my money my money my money my money my time you're lazy you're this you're that so judgmental and then he gets the thing that he wanted to achieve and somehow the idea that it is hollow is life-affirming to me. <laughs> I mean, that sounds harsh, but I want him to come to a different place. I want him to get to a different place in his head and maybe even speak it aloud so that I can cheer him on again. But I thought his soulless march was just horrific. And so even when he won, I didn't love it. Actually, no one loved it. I think everybody Nobody was- loved it. It was sort of weird. Everybody's like, mm, eh, mm, okay. It was an asterisk, man. Yeah, it was weird. It truly was. <laughs> so, so Dominic our contender uh, from last year is gone. <laughs> I mean, Kit is looking sexy. Oh, we can say that. Yes. We can say that because the match hasn't started yet, right? We still... <laughs> I don't trust and him. And he got a bye. And he got a bye because his third round opponent uh, retired. Yep. So he decided to let K save your body, boo. Save that body. Uh, so I was oh, so happy that Kay... This half, right? And he's huh? here. Yeah, he's in that half. I mean, like, but, but I mean, no one trusts Zarev in. A, um, I mean, if Zarev is in a slam, no one trusts him. It's not a master series, so you know what I mean. I mean, he almost I, went out in his first match. I, I mean, think it was. because I mean, for I mean, let's be one hundred here. The real surprise of the U.S. Open final was that Zarev had a two to set, two love set lead. That was the real final. That he was playing good tennis. For two and a half sets. We were like, this is the highlight reel here. If he don't win, and then he heard me and then it got all shitty. Yeah, <laughs> then, I mean, actually, yeah it's 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 Zara versus Nishikori next. Let me tell you something. You know, I mean, I'm on I'm one of those people that actually continues to enjoy Alexander Zara, even though everyone hates him. Um I don't hate but, him. I don't listen, I, listen, you know, I um it's not my thing. Um, I know for some reason he still tugs at the little heartstrings. But anyway, um, I like him. But I really want Nishikori to wipe the wipe his I mean, ass off of the You know, court. if I if I trusted Nishikori to do anything after he beat Zarev, I would be right there with you. But he won't. I trust Alex I way, more, way more, way more, way way more. Says he doesn't care. <laughs> Nishikori has care. already played twenty five five set don't matches care. in a don't tournament care. that's only supposed to be seven rounds. Don't care. 
Don't care. I am all for Nishikori getting as far as he can get, okay? And maybe he might get lucky. Maybe he might get lucky. You, you can't get that... lucky with an L. You can only get lucky if you're in the next round. And you never know what's going to happen. Do you, mean, think Nishikori, do you think Nishikori is looking a little less fit than he typically does? I feel like he's carrying an extra little weight. He doesn't he look bad, he but be. he Remember. does not look as fit. Remember, he is coming out, he's coming into this having been, um, he had surgery. He had surgery last year. So Nishikori hasn't actually had an opportunity really to compete in like a natural state. Like this is, I mean, he's not quite like Federer in the sense that it's like right around the corner because he has done all the, all the lead ups. But yeah, Nishikori isn't necessarily, I'd say, solid right now. But guess what? I like his chances in the next round. Mm. If he gets through this match, he either has to pay Schwartzman or Scruff. I think, if I'm looking at this like draw. Nobody should ever have to play Diego. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. I tell you something. Diego is like Rokas, the Rokas brothers, but with a lot more talent. Oh, no, no, no. No, sorry. I'm looking at it the wrong way. It's going to be the winner of Fokina and Delbanas. Still like the chances there. Still like their chances. Let me tell you something. Schwarzman is going through everything he can at you, including the chicken, the kitchen sink. So it's not an easy matchup because I think in the last match, um, he took out Cole Schreiber. And yeah, I was no, surprised no, that he took out no, Cole no, Schreiber with Struff. such ease. I actually think Schroff has that. I think Schroff has that match against Schwarzman. But you know what? Like, I'm looking at the draw now. So, yeah. So at the, at the bottom, we have Medvedev Tsitsipas, which is already through. And right. then if we're lucky, we get the winner of Delbanas versus Fokina. And then the winner of Alex versus um, Nishikori. So that little second, I wanna, I wanna Stefanos. Do I wanna? Do we want a Stefanos Zarev semi? No, that could be no. full of emotion and crazy. I'm here no, for it. No, 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 no. I don't want none of it. I want none of it. Listen to me. I have no time for Plagiano Sissipas. Um, I mean, just like. He plays beautiful tennis. I'm not going to lie about that because I watched this match today. I was literally watching two matches. I was watching Medvedev. You know, Janina, when you were talking about Medvedev, I was thinking, this is Christina McHale all over again. No, because Medvedev, Medvedev no, is always cute. Medvedev, Medvedev is always cute and dead until he's not. Because yeah, Medvedev, you know what? That's my thing. Medvedev goes him. down like a, like a rock in the pond. Okay, He yeah, never goes down him. fighting. Yeah, he doesn't. Except for that I don't US trust Open him. final, he was horrible. Like, did you see him in the final against Djokovic last? Horrific. No. It was I, bad. Horrible. It's like, I'm just happy to be here. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Kind of mess. No. So, but I mean, I don't plays, know if you saw. With, with Garen, um, let me tell you something. If Garen had punched Medvedev in the face, I'd have been like, it's okay. Because <laughs> Medvedev was making some... Freaking impossible shot. Medvedev looked like he wasn't doing anything over there. Like he was uninterested in this match. He was wearing these tongue white shoes. That's his thing. Let me tell you something. There was some crazy... There's one point where Medvedev was just like, I'm just not going to... I'm going to do this double break. I just want an insurance break. You haven't broken me yet in this entire match, but I just want to give you a breadstick in this second set. And let me tell you something. He just terrorized this man from holding serve. I mean, like, by inches, mere inches, perfect on that line. Let me tell you something. The umpire was so tired of getting on. Medvedev was just like, I know it's him. Moving on. Like, it was such a... He does play really good tennis, but I don't know if it can stack against the, um, the Djokovic and the 
leave it out. But against the it can. Rest, he's, if he's right in the head, it the can. Best of the rest. Yeah, like if you can, if you're right, it, that's actually probably one of the styles that could be interesting if done well, right? Like we've seen what. Listen, who's beaten Nadal on this surface? It takes a certain. It takes. I mean, let's honor Robin Sutterling again. <laughs> <laughs> I need to address how dark-skinned Medvedev is right now as a Russian. <laughs> the sun has gotten to you, and now you're feeling you're feeling some caramel love. <laughs> I never seen a Russian this dark. What? Are you kidding me? No. Really? She, He's very, very brown. Listen, have you not have you have you not, not heard of the stereotype, the swarthy stereotype? It didn't come from nowhere. No, 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 no. There is an ethnic group. I'm sure someone might correct this in the group. There's a Tatar, I think it is, and they're pretty darker complexion. Maybe the problem is the Rublev is on tour. (laughs) Right, exactly. You're watching. Leave my Rublev alone. Uh, By the way, I just got a. I just saw a little note that Holger Rune says he lives for diversity and will be apologizing on his Instagram. Let me me tell you how this is gonna play out. I almost. I knew I was gonna forget something. So. This comment is going to be treated as locker room talk. Years yeah, ago, sure, sure, I sure. went to a the NYPD had a training, whatever the case may be, and they were talking about offensive language. And their standard is this: if a police officer is heard to say "faggot" or any um, disparaging word in terms of homoph- homophobic language. Mm-hmm. They would not treat that as homophobic language unless you can prove that that officer knows, in fact, that you are a member of the LGBTQI um, community, because they're going to treat that as just locker room talk. And that mm-hmm. is precisely how Ruben is going to get away with this mess. And even though it's Pride Month, the ATP is going to pretend like it's nothing. All those people who were going for the queer bashes and all of the homophobic stands in the press corps. They're going to pretend like this is nothing because I'm sure Rune is going to be cute and smile. And then he's going to get on Instagram and said, I'm sorry if what I said offended you. Mm-hmm. Now, what if I say was offensive? He's not a part of <laughs> yeah. for being offensive. <clears throat> he's just mad. He's just sorry that you were offended by what he said. And this is not who he is. It was some doppelganger who was out on code saying that sort of thing to an opponent. But he would take that money, though. Um, so federal, oh, we have a, did we get done out of Yes, you come in, come in lovely for us. We're just, um, thank you so much for joining us, Howard. We are just I'm, I'm 27 minutes early. I just didn't want to miss it, right? No, you got to come in <laughs> right? because we're just now catching up on Serena scores and, and Rybakina is doing her damage. Really? She's being that Russian, right? Getting all early, sat early, just <laughs> never know what's gonna happen. No, she well, she she's Russian? Kazakhstan. I know she's Kazakh, but that's the, the same Soviet mentality, right? Yeah, school. she's Kazakhstan, and she was she had a really nice run last year. She's actually Serena's oh, down a set and a break. Ooh, she's a good player, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's a good player. I mean, although let's put it this way, right? I mean, where she's at right now. Serena should be the favorite. I mean, second favorite. She should she'd be a favorite to reach the final. I mean, Svitek's the best player in the, in the field right now, right? But I mean, she's the highest remaining seed. 
She it's should. a fresher moment for her, Serena, yeah. no? Right now. This, this is, is like the, knowing that you're the highest remaining, not like the highest remaining scene. The draw feels like it's laid out for you a little bit. <laughs> this is like the moment where a banana peel well, comes. Yeah, right? because Azarenka got got turned out this morning. Oof. Well, and, and anyone else notice she changed her grunt? It's not high pitched anymore. It's quite. She didn't do anymore. Azarenka. No, it's it's way lower. Oh, she grunts. It's just a different grunt. It's a new grunt. Oh, it's because like um, a seven point eight grunt. Uh, Pavs don't play. Pavs will fight you uh, so on the court. I'm saying she went down three and two after taking the first set. You know, those types of scores are really interesting because, you know, you have to go back and watch the match and sort of figure out, like, I mean, it's one thing when you win a tight first set and then you get rolled if you're playing a better player, then they start to find themselves and that's that. But it's different when you either get the set and then you get rolled and it's sort of like the wheel sort of fell off. Was I mean, Amanda Sprecher's a good player on clay. She's not a great player on clay, but she's a good player on clay. So, but Pavs is, I like Pavs. I mean, well, I like Pavs too. I'm not disappointed by that. The but, other thing but is what like, Pavs did, Pavs decided did she that. She exposed Vika's serve. Yes, she did. Because Vika was starting off the match with breaks and stuff, each sets, right? They weren't holding serve. But the trick with Vika is that how are you going to deal with Vika is that. You have to take her off of the baseline. Yep. Do not let her think that she can come in as she wants to and control it. They were making incredible shots. Well, I mean, there's a lot of high, there was high quality match. But yeah. the there was a lot Pavs, of breaks too. There were a lot of breaks side. because, you know, Pavs would get the break. You know, Pavs, you can't trust Pavs with the lead. But Pavs decided that once I can get into your head in terms of like go after the serve, you know, because. Yeah. And again, in the ground stroke, do not let this girl try to think she can come in and creep to the court and whatever. Pav was able to control. And then Azarenka just lost focus. She was cursing at her, her coach. Serena she was trying what? to fight this dude. And she was like, she didn't use profanity. I don't know. If, I didn't think she got a violation, but she was definitely anti. And Pav was just like, and Pav could hang, right? Because usually fitness was an issue for Pav. And Pav was just like, Sweetie, we're going we, we, to do this today. Yeah. And I think when the second set, when she lost the second set, which, which wasn't bad, um, she could still have come back over into the second set, in the third set. Pav just decided, I am going to take care of myself a lot better than you are doing. Yeah. Because well, Azarenka cannot rely on that serve. No, no, and she can't. And when you watch, when you watch Azarenka play, you always know that... Even if she has a lead, you're always in her service games. Right. <laughs> well, and that's poor Vika. She yeah. gives me that dimension of flashback to U.S. Open. Exactly. <laughs> looking like she's done and dusted, and I was like, "Wait, I could just start returning better." Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's it. And that is the problem. If you take the return aggressively, Vika is in a lot of trouble. But well, if you're trying to rally with her and being like, "Oh, let's see," no, it's not gonna work. No, you can't just start points with her and play. But but that's what ha that's the difference between men and women's tennis, right? I mean, when you play, it, it, it's a matter of preference. Like I st tend to gravitate more and more and more toward the women's game because you know because as the male players, everybody's over six four. I mean, six five now. Your champions are going to be six five, six six, six seven. The game is completely imbalanced. That it's that it's really really difficult to break serve against a guy who's six foot eight, 
right? Because the, the game is just tilted downward. Whereas in the women's game, you, you get a shot, you know? And that's like where people are looking at Serena's game and they're looking, okay, well, what's the difference? The difference is, is that if you look at Serena in 2012 to 2017, you didn't have a shot. <laughs> she, was, she was breaking you at 60% and she was holding at 80. <laughs> you had no chance. <laughs> I mean, you really didn't have a chance. Like I remember when we were at, um, Andrew, were you at Wimbledon 2012 when she beat? Um, yep. You know when? Oh, the Red 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 Right. Yeah, Redwanska. Oof. <laughs> oh, that was ugly. When Ravanska got, got that second set, it was like ooh, and then the second thought it was like no. Nine. Serena said, here's what we're not going to do. We're going to have four aces in a row. And then it was done. And then it was over. It was over. But but I think this, again, might be a mentality thing in the match, this swing. You can definitely see in those matches, I think, which might be the difference between Serena now and then, it might not be that important to her anymore. Like she, But, but because it's Serena, she isn't allowed to just live in the moment and just be a tennis player. She has to be a champion. Back then, Serena, to 2012, you saw those U.S. Open finals against Azarenka? If Azarenka had punched that girl in the face, it would have been okay. Because this has happened over and over again, right? Where Azarenka has the match, it's all hers, and then Serena said, no, we're not doing this. And the return, she just clobbers those returns. Like, Azarenka had no service game for Azarenka, felt safe. And she was up 5-3, seven for the match. I think it's a strange thing to say because I think, listen, I think Serena is as hungry as ever. But I think what it is is that ability to turn on a dime is just, it it lessens over time. That ability to control the tempo of the match. I mean, we saw a little bit of that with Federer yesterday, right? Like, you're watching this guy and you're like, he knows that he's still in this. Like, even though you feel like he's done and dusted, he still (laughs) has that champion's mentality, right? And it's like... He's like, I'm still in this. I'm still in this. I can still make this go. Like, I think that that is the thing that I've been, I was noticing that about all the champs, right? That's what we've been, that's the, that's what's distinguished all of the champions. But they're a little bit slower, though. They're a little they're bit slower, older. So they're exactly. older. They're right. old. But I also, <laughs> but I also think that the fact that they're out there, it's not, that they don't have the same intensity to win, per se. Because, I mean, back in the day, those players can shut down everything. They're in a zone, quote-unquote zone, where their tennis is perfect, where anything they want to do to the ball happens, right? Federer yesterday, I was just like, Federer, um, are we trying to hit court? Are we trying to go in the stand? Like, errors were ugly. But then I remember, you know, this man had two knee surgeries, okay? He's moving gingerly. But, I mean, and that guy... Well, the mistakes that people make when you get to a certain age, um, the biggest mistake that we make when you cover this stuff or when you're a fan of the, of the game is the idea that, that your belief and that your will is always going to be enough. If, right. will, if will and desire is enough, you could play till you were 80. It's not enough. You can't do the things you used to do and you can start to see the different areas where you have slippage. Obviously, you have all kinds of confidence when you know you can do everything you want to do. Like, yeah. like Jack always says, right, that pressure is the realization that you could lose. You know, and when you don't have any realization that this Trump can beat you, even when you're down, you're like, well, I'm not done because he can't beat me. Right. But now when you're sort of like, wait a minute. 
they can beat me. Now, all of a sudden, the overheads are a little bit tougher, right? And all of a sudden, it's <laughs> right. a little bit more difficult. And that's like, like I was talking about this with Nadal, about one of the areas where you can see, you know, where are the areas of slippage. And for me, there are three areas where you watch him where you're like, he's not the same player and where he could actually lose this tournament. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't see him as an overwhelming favorite no. to win the tournament. Every you know? Diva fan says it's every French no. Open. It's no, so no, screwed. It's, he's not no, going to win. So tell us where his What are the areas? But no, the areas are this. Number one, the biggest area when I watch him is that he, for the last couple of tournaments, the majors, has been beaten at his own game. Right? Yeah. I mean, when you go look at what he does in terms of him beating you to death and beating you down, Medvedev hung with him. He didn't win that fifth set again in the U.S. Open, but... He had a two-set to the love lead, and Nadal couldn't finish him doing what Nadal did, right? The same was true with Tsitsipas in, in Melbourne. And the same was true when Rublev beat him, where you can play Nadal's game now if you can hang in there, and he can't completely overwhelm you. The other area where you see is the serve. You know, his serve was never a great, great serve, and now you start to see a little bit more... And then the other thing, too, is that you just see it a little bit. Like, if you watch that tie break, you watch the second, set, the third set tie break against Sitsipas in Australia. He was making so many more mistakes that were nerves. Like, when they talk about in golf, like when you watch golfers, where do they say the first thing that goes is the putter, the precise, you know, just like you're talking about reels with, with Federer. All of a sudden, some of these shots, and you've seen it with Federer when he plays Djokovic. The closer you get to closing, you're not as confident closing. Right now, does that mean that Rafa is going to lose this tournament? No, no. But what it does mean is, is that if you can hang with him, and I think I don't think Sitsipas is afraid of him anymore. I don't no. think Zara, I don't think Zara is afraid of him, and I don't think you know you know Djokovic is a hell of a lot closer to beating Nadal on clay than Nadal is to beating Djokovic on hard court. I mean, Nadal hasn't taken a set off Djokovic on hard court since 2013. Mm, right? That's true, but so you know, I mean, I saw that Rome final. Was it Rome? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and let's face it, there's the other thing, right? The other, what is the other biggest thing when you're watching Nadal? These dudes don't believe they can beat him. Yeah. yeah. They don't believe it, you know? And that, that part of it is real. They don't believe that what they're doing is enough, even though what they're doing has been beating him. They feel like they got to do a little bit more, and then they start making more and more mistakes, and then Rafa just hangs in and beats you. But, you know... Well, this is clay in Paris. It could be different here. Hey, all those little mistakes. I haven't seen him yet this tournament. I've Somebody not seen him at all. He can lose. <laughs> he's been very comfortable. I think he's had a very comfortable yeah, run. Comfortable. He hasn't been challenged very much at all. I do think that, as Real pointed out at the top end of this, is that we finally have someone on the bottom that doesn't have to go through too much to get to that final. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's a little bit tricky. I mean, you've got, I think this Medvedev Tsitsipas match is important because I actually feel like the winner two, of that will get the, the winner final. of that is probably got the strongest chance. So the question of like, how much does it take out of that winner? Right. <laughs> well, and also, but, but also, meeting Rafa in a final, I think you have a better chance of taking him down before the finals. <laughs> Particularly yeah, Roland Garros, the, harder. the finals harder. is gonna be really, really hard, and it's a five setter, right? And five sets, it asks so many questions, right? I mean, it's there's nowhere, nowhere is it easy to beat him. He's lost twice here in fifteen years. Yeah. 
right? He's lost twice. He's lost two times. So. And those people have never won the title. Right. And they didn't go on to win the title. Didn't they, didn't they lose their bodies afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> they well, all Djokovic did. built a new body, but you know. <laughs> and, well, well, I mean, what you're, gonna, what you're hoping for, right? What you're hoping for is a semis that does some damage to either of those two for the final for the other person, right? That's what you need is like, you need a semis that is going to take Rafa and um, Nole the distance so that the person who's meeting them in the final. Final, you know they're going five after what Nadal did to Djokovic last time. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Just tore him to pieces. Yeah. I mean, and there's no way that, and especially because if, you know, you watch the end of that, you know, that third set, Djokovic was like, oh, I'm Djokovic again. And it just was too late. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna and say... also, let's be honest. We haven't been talked to... We, we haven't really talked about it, just like you just did, the age factor. But Djokovic is old too now. Like, yeah. this is... These are all... No, this is not a guarantee for anyone else anymore. Like, you know, no. they're all getting older and older. The tour is getting more and more exhausting. I don't think we can assume that everyone is going to be making finals. As comfortably. Very mad at Dominic team for this, right? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're oh, we're happy that Dominic team is losing. We're not mad. Dominic, I know I'm not. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that if you want to, if you want to have a conversation about making finals difficult, having Dominic team go out in the first round of a major. <laughs> Well, you know what? We were okay with it because we we thought that Dominique... I mean, we've always been saying this, and this is offline. I talked to my friend Deb about this. We think that Dominique team took the hit for a lot of these boys for a long time. Like, they did not show up, and Dominique team did. And I think he's paying the price for it a bit. Like, I think he's tried to compete with these guys at the very top level for a much longer than Alex, much longer than all these other kids that are coming up. His, His belief was was greater. And I think he's paid the price a little bit. And, bit- he, and, and he doesn't know how to, and their strategy of beating these top players is to try to play a better brand of tennis than they are. Playing the same type of tennis, but just better and stronger. And that isn't going to keep your body longer. Like, yeah, but I think you that, have to they don't play efficient tennis. Well, I think, that, I think that team has to do that because team, the difference between team and the other players is that team is their same size. Yep. Team Six six. He's not six four. He's six one. So he's, you know, so he's still going to be a high, you know, a, a high top spin, big forehand, and he serves bigger than than both Nadal and Djokovic. But I think that there's a couple things going on with him, and one of them is, in, and no one's talking about it. He's not the same player since COVID. Nope. You know, I mean, we, Mon- we talked about it here, but you know, you're yeah. in the press pool. Exactly. Monfils- what do you mean? Who's player. not the player since COVID? Um, Djokovic. Joke. Dominic. Team, what you th- team didn't get COVID though, did he? No. no yeah. The pandemic began. Um, didn't he get? Didn't he get COVID? Well, I, from the tour, he, he got COVID. from. I think he had COVID. He got COVID from the um the, 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 the spreader event in um. No, but you know what? He didn't. He, no, he tested. He never said he did. I think Djokovic is the only one, and um um and um Dima and Grigor are the only ones that were no, out loud admitted to no, having Chilich COVID. No, Chilic got it. Chilic got it. Um, mm-hmm. what's his name? Their coach well, got I it. Um, think the only thing I remember about team was that team was playing all the time and never right. got that was he my played everywhere. He played everywhere. He even <laughs> he played, played everywhere. Patrick. I think he played but maybe, you know, maybe you're right, because he never really talked about it. But something definitely happened to him last year. Something well, has shifted. I think, I, I, think, I, I think that you're right about this as well. Um, um 
the type of, you know, what we may be seeing in some ways. Um, yeah, you're right. He didn't have, he didn't say he, his coach tested positive. His coach him. did. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, everything that we placed on Nadal in terms of your style of play is going to ruin you may very well be happening to Dominic team. Yeah. Because they, you know, they, he really does pattern his game after that Nadal, I'm going to grind you every point thing. And maybe you're the one getting ground down into the. Like Murray did. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that does, it doesn't, you, I mean, those two men, Nadal and Djokovic are extraterrestrial. Yeah. They're mutants. I mean, there is no way. I mean, <laughs> so you can't you can't pattern yourself. After you cannot. That. You cannot. No one has survived that trajectory. No one. Okay. Well, let's um let's move it let's move it forward a little bit. Um, Howard, what tennis have you watched? We were we were sort of going over what what we watched and was sort of impressed by, even though this tournament has been so chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I've been catching matches, um, because I've been changing jobs and doing all kinds of stuff so i've been catching these matches as they've gone i watched pretty much most of the clay court season on both tournaments and it was like okay how many more tournaments in belgrade are we gonna have um, until nole wins until nole wins the title there, there, there were, i think there were two on the women's side i'm like okay, there were two there were two backyard classic there were two Put it in Parma and put it in Belgrade, and that's where all the tournaments are, right? So um, go to Parma for the food, though. Right? <laughs> you know, I've been I've been keeping my eye on a couple of players, and I think one of the players that I was really sort of interested in watching was Coco Goff, um, to see sort of where that you know that growth was, um, obviously on serve, and and yeah. you know what player she's become, and she's becoming you know a real tough player. She's a fighter, you know, and she she's not out there beating her. You know, she is beating herself because she does double fault a lot and her serve is up and down. But she don't just go away. No. And that's sort of a that's a that's a really nice thing to see um, in a young player. You know, like someone was asking me the other day, what's up with Madison Keys? I was like, Madison Keys just goes away. You know, she's a one dimensional player. And when that one dimension isn't working, good night. Right. It's true in the in her old overall game entirely. I was noticing that about we were noticing that about Coco with her serve too. It seemed yeah. like they had changed it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and she was struggling with it, but it doesn't seem to be impacting her as much on the clay. No, it probably on hard it'll be a problem, but <laughs> right. Well, because with Coco, it's not going to hurt her on the clay that much because she doesn't mind playing points. Nope. You know, she'll play points. If you want to play points, you can win on clay, right? But she doesn't mind playing points. So, um, but yeah, when you get to the hard court, you get to the grass, different story. You know, your serve, your serve has to help you on grass because you can't play points on grass, no matter how much they try to homogenize the surface. It's a fast surface. And so, I mean, that was sort of interesting to me. I've been interested watching uh, Sloan Stevens. Yes! Yes, there had been all this mm -hmm. talk about whether or not her desire was high and... I was like, she sort of looks like she's getting a bit of a second wind in terms of... Carla was on her neck, though. Carla was on her neck in the first round. Let me mm -hmm. tell you something. That backhand was yeah. singing fire. like an executor. It yeah. was on fire. fire. There wasn't a thing Carla couldn't do with that backhand. Anything, any position. Carla was well, looking like Carla, Stan. That's Carla, though. That's who she like is. Stan. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. Sloan, are we giving Carla a wonderful send-off? Because this is not what we had planned here. No one expected Carla to come out looking like that. 
yeah. and Sloan was just like, wait a minute here. Like, <laughs> I, who had cancer? Like, what, yeah. what's happening here? I'm Carla, gonna... I, I, I'm so sorry Carla's going to retire this year because if Carla gets back in shape, these girls are going to be in trouble. No. It's always tough. I'm going to go somewhere else that I'm sure is not going to be popular with this group, but I think it, it must be said anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is, there is a, um, what's the best way to say this? There is a, a space of compassion that I have for the, um, the struggles of uh, Elena Spitalina. Oh um, no, I love Spitalina. I love Spitalina, but, but there's a problem. Her, what's going on yeah, there? Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, you know I, tell I, me, I was, tell me, Howard. What are you thinking about it? Well, okay, I was thinking. First, I was thinking maybe, maybe she's just gets too nervous and can't win when you start getting when the air gets thin, which is what you don't want to say about it. You can't be a champion if you start if you if you choke up the closer you get to the finish line, right? So that's what you, that's the one thing you never want to think about an athlete. You want to think that as they get closer, they get tougher. I don't see that in her. And a lot of reasons I don't see it is because when she loses, she gets her ass kicked. I mean, there are just matches where when she's out, three and two out, two and two out. I'm like, wait. Wimbledon. Like, I think it was Wimbledon two years ago. Two years ago, Wimbledon, she was playing gorgeous tennis and gets what was it a semis <gasps> yeah semifinal no show right <gasps> that's, that's one thing and then i tried to pull it back right and i tried to pull it back and i tried to just say well you know what maybe she's just a tweener of a player she's an underpowered player she doesn't have a huge serve she doesn't no. she doesn't do anything she doesn't have a an a plus plus something that she can rely on Whereas if you play Sabalenka, who's going to overpower you when she's on, she could just blow you off the court. Or when you play Serena, well, Serena's got plus everything, right? So there are these other players that when you play Halep, she's a plus mover. When you, you know, when you play Barty, she's got the hand. She's got a plus something. Whereas Svitolina doesn't have a plus plus anything weapon. She's a good defender. She's a good server. She's a good mover. She does all those things. And so when you start playing against these better, you know, these top, top players, she doesn't have the go-to. So her game has to be on. And then obviously, I think the other piece of it is that it reverts back when that's not happening. She's just not tough enough. She doesn't, she can't overcome her physical deficiencies with mental toughness. So, uh, yeah, she uh, doesn't have a grinder uh, mentality. Going... If she's got like just the basic game, you got to have something that's a plus. And it does seem to falter. Like, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe she could pattern herself on like a Vika, right? Like, maybe she could be just one of those people that just runs everything down and she gets big it enough going. to be a Vika. But she's not. Like, she's something isn't Wait, quite there. You, I think we forget that Fidelina used to be carrying a lot more weight. And then yeah, she, 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 she got, quote unquote, the oh, fitness. That, yeah, that final that she played with Sloan, that was when she was at her thinnest. Remember? And everybody and was worried I'm, about her. Right. I'm always suspicious of these girls who just all of a sudden got quote-unquote fit like Angie Kerber and Svidalina, but yet you're not seeing anything really about this quote, this fitness isn't really translating to anything. Yeah, and I not- think you're right about it. It's just like, she doesn't have anything that is going to blow you off of the court, right? You, right? She's not going to hurt you. And if she's yeah. unable to hurt you, you're going to go there thinking you have a chance. And plus, you have all that history, right? It's Svidalina, right? You already have something. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I always say this. You win majors, 
there have to be several rounds. You can't play all matches. You can't play all seven matches. There has to be some matches you're going to just go through and be like, your name alone is going to give you two sets. Yeah. Your name alone is going to give you two sets. It's like, you know what I mean? Like you, It's like, I think um, when Sakofsky was on here, he said, when you hear Roger Federer's name being announced and you're coming on the court, you're like, I just lost three games. I just lost three games. <laughs> you just... It, it changes. Well, you know what? It gives you, it gives you at least a couple games because I'm looking at the score in the Serena match, and it is like Serena's but these, name is but, keep but we know these girls, but we know these girls always come <laughs> for the Serena win, right? And She's trying, she, but she can't do it. She's trying. Serena has been down a break, up a break. <laughs> like, right. I not... think they're, I think they're back on serve now for a while. Yeah, Serena's just right. been getting back on serve, but she's been, she has been um, down on break several times, but the young lady cannot hold it together when she gets well, it. She, Serena will look she, you across the net and go, I dare you to finish me. Can you finish <laughs> <laughs> This is what Naomi Osaka said. There yes. is, there is that moment where I think um, that happened yesterday in the Fed match. So, what's his name? Roper, I think his name is? Cooper, yeah. Cooper. Uh, Cooper. Yeah. He was giving Fred all the fever, scarlet fever. Federer couldn't serve in peace. Couldn't serve in... Federer had 40 love. And Copa was able to break him. Federer couldn't hold yeah. a lead. I swear to God, I was like, Federer, I, I don't know who you are, but you're out here acting like one I mean, of these that's scrubs. when you realize that Federer is 39, because when he was well, younger, that he would have rolled through that match. Exactly, <laughs> right? And just like, like oh, I got, I got um, one of these German boys. I, I got one of these German boys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is like Tommy Haas. Let me just handle this. And... <laughs> There was a point where I think Federer had a, um, his ball was out. Federer was up. I think Federer was probably up fondly love at one point, and it would have given him deuce. And the ball was out, and the umpire called it out. And Federer sort of walked over. You know Federer, right? Nothing. Didn't give a shit. Homeboy got mad, and he went over there. Cooper got mad, went over, looked at the line, kicked the line, <laughs> marked, and spit on it. And then kicked. <laughs> And I was just like, you just lost the match. Mm-hmm. You just lost well, the match. Well, he was anxious. He was anxious because, you know. Because, listen to me. Federer, in Federer, I could see it in Federer's eyes. He knew it was about to be midnight soon. And I was going to be going home. Like, that boy was not. Listen to me. Every, every point was crucial. Like, yeah. they were playing high-quality tennis. Federer was the one fucking it out. That boy had so, that match. But, since, since you mentioned midnight... Can we talk about this debacle? Yes, let's talk about tennis coverage. <laughs> What's going this on? This is now? ridiculous. What what is this? What are we talking about now? Coverage. I have never in all of my tennis watching life, which is a lot, had such a hard time finding out where to watch tennis. Oh, well, I'm yeah, currently well. currently watching on four, I think, different platforms it's ridiculous but beyond that i don't understand this nine o'clock night session start time like you clearly have a very highly enforced uh curfew nobody can be there you've got (laughs) rafa on his birthday Playing to an empty stadium. As he should got be. Serena. I would not allow, we don't watch murders. Stop we don't it. have public execution anymore. But it's still, unfair. Come on. We've got Serena opening the first ever night session at Roland Garros. Empty stadium. 
you've got Federer possibly playing his. By the way, <laughs> the only one you've got Federer possibly playing his last ever French Open to an empty stadium. What what is this? What is what is happening? Well, yeah. I, let, let me just say that Nole didn't think it was empty enough because Nole was complaining about talking and noise while playing his <laughs> night session. <laughs> so it wasn't empty, empty, okay? Just so you know, Nole had issues. Nole was constantly complaining to the umpire, you need to tell it to stop talking. And what was so funny is that the commentators were like, it's not us who's doing the talking. It's not us. Okay, because their commentators <laughs> were still on the ground. Like, yeah. I was the like, commentators were his team because that's friend. all that's allowed in. <laughs> anyway, the commentators ahead, said it might have been Fabrice Santoro who was doing talking way up in the well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how, so what is really going on? This is really crazy to me. Well, asking. Like, this is... All of these different ideas are sort of all tied together. Um, when we're talking about, you know, even if you want to bring the Osaka question into it, this, all of these sort of strains of the industry of tennis, right? How the business is working, where is the money coming from? Where is the revenue? What is the model? You know, I was watching the, and you know, you watch the NCAA tournament and it's like, okay, how, where's the fucking game? Right? You got to go. Is it on True TV? Is it on TNT? Is it on TBS? Is this game on CBS? So, what they're doing, what, what, these, what the networks are doing now is they've decided to simply take all the platforms and put the programming across all the platforms, right? You want to watch the hockey game the other night. The Bruins and the Islanders were playing on, I'm sorry, it was the Canadians and the Maple Leafs were playing the other night. They were playing on CNBC. I'm like, that's a business channel. <laughs> but why is there a hockey game <laughs> right and so if you're tennis you've done two things that run completely counter to your historical business model one is you've decided to essentially shift the entire women's tournament over to asia because that's where the growth and that's where the money is and the second thing you've done is you've recognized that both espn and nbc and cbs they're all slowly getting out of the business yeah. so you're like, okay where do we go so you gave most of the thing to tennis channel but tennis channel is not paying enough so it's like okay if can we go to some sort of streaming model is where is the money so they're trying to do they're trying to do something that is really difficult and they need to continue growing this sport TV revenue-wise, and there's no TV places to go to. So what they're hoping is that the streaming models that we're seeing on our movies, whether it's Disney Plus and Hulu and the rest of it, that that model is going to also translate to some tennis revenue too. And I don't know. I don't know if the tennis audience is big enough to sign up for all these streaming services. They'll do it with YouTube for football. They'll watch some football on YouTube. They'll watch some football, you know, across different, you know, platforms. But you've got to make it. I mean, I look at tennis in some ways, you know, when you're sort of a marginalized sport, I look at it the same way I look at like kayaking or the other things that I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Is the more difficult you make it, the less I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So the, the harder you make people search for your product, the more they're going to be like, I'm going to just go do something else. And so all of this really started when CBS got out of the U.S. Open. 
And when CBS got out of the U.S. Open and then ESPN got out of the French Open and then you start adding COVID to it. And ESPN now, they only do two tournaments. They do the U.S. Open and they do Wimbledon. And that's it. Yeah. They don't do any Masters. They don't do any, they don't do Barclays. Or they're not Barclays anymore, but they don't do the World Tour Finals. They don't do anything else. They don't even do, they don't even do the U.S. Open Series anymore. So now Australian Open, doesn't the ESPN cover Australian Open? Last season just passed. Oh, so really? Yeah, so they're in negotiation. Oh, let me get rid of ESPN Plus then. Ain't no well, reason exactly. to be watching so that. <laughs> I mean, but that, but listen, that, but Howard, what you're pointing out is a scary future. Absolutely. Because you have a convergence of things. You have a convergence of the loss of a couple of key stars that has grown the sport. And then you have this model of revisiting your contracts. That's right. What are you going to do? Right, right. Well, why do you why? think Osaka to talk? But but yeah. I'm sorry I'm sorry Osaka is not gonna save you Naomi Osaka. Oh well, wait, listen. One person could try, but I'm just. But then this is a good transition into the Osaka. But let's finish out this a little bit. So, I think it's a deadly time for us to be spinning on multiple platforms, especially because we don't have a singular voice in tennis. Like it's one thing if they had a singular voice in tennis to tell us where to go, but we had Marty Fish, who theoretically could text somebody. He was asking us where to watch Federer's match. Yep. You cannot have that. Right? When we were at the, when I was at the French, the last French I did was 2015, was it? And it was like, we're getting out of this. And I was like, what do you mean we're getting out of it? I said, we're not covering a major anymore? I'm like, we're ESPN. Yeah, we're getting out of it. And... You know, ESPN signed that big 10-year deal with Wimbledon. That deal runs out. That thing sounded like it was going to last forever. That thing runs out in 18 months. And so and you know what? And then who's the star? Who 18, are the stars? Think about who's retiring in 18 months. Well, that's what I'm saying. In 18, in 18 months, you're going to have a 37-year-old Nadal, right? You're going to have a 37-year-old. <laughs> you're you're going you're to have a, you know, Federer. If you, he's not going to be there in... So, you know, Venus will still play and get beat in the first round. She'll keep playing forever, right? Um, and she ain't talking to y'all anyway. <laughs> and so... She's um, been there, done that. So if you're the networks, you've got the leverage to not make huge offers. Yeah. You know? And here's the other piece of this, which is why Tennis Channel is so... I mean, they're they're offensive and smart at the same time in that they recognize that Americans watch Americans, even though the Americans are no good. So the problem is, is that what they need to do is they need to continue to double down on American tennis, but transfer it over to the women. The women are actually good. Yeah, I know. I know. But they be- they keep trying they with the men. How- <laughs> they don't know how to do that. Right. So they keep trotting out John Isner. Right? They keep trotting out, hoping that Riley Opelka or hoping that Seb Korda or somebody's going to save them when you actually have a very much flourishing women's American tennis game. But once again, if you buy the premise, and you have to because that's how they run the business model, that Americans only watch Americans, and you look at the, you look at the sport internationally and you say all of your Mount Everest players are going to be in their late 30s or not even playing in 2022. Where is your leverage to get your big TV deal? 
Mike, where is yeah. your you're gonna have to keep sort of Serena out. Out. Yep. She's Serena. down match points. Is it did it go? No, Yeah, she just lost. lost. Okay, well, we're going to be live and giving our reaction to that one, but let's uh, let's let's have you finish that out. Um, to your point, Howard, about <laughs> so this is a devastating loss for Serena because of the way the draw opened up. Yeah, right? this was an opportunity. This was this may have been even though we're only looking at a fourth round, right? So Serena yeah. doesn't have a second week, but this is a this there I was, don't there was I a, don't have this. Right, there was a big chance here. It's a whole. It's an opening for her, though. Real. That's a, this is but a, yeah, but I, but I don't have these same. Quickly. Sorry. Uh -huh. Let me just throw this out. This is what forty looks like. Uh, right. That's what, what I was about don't to say. That's what that. I was about to say. Yeah. Oh, like I do not place no, this Howard, out of expectation on Serena. On like these players. We grew up. No, listen, real. Stop being the stop being the thoughtful no. one. These are this is like an emotional moment, right? Like we grew up with these players. Andreen, Andreen, I have been watching Serena and Venus and Roger Federer since 1995. I know Roger Federer <laughs> with blonde hair. I know. I know Roger I'm not Federer. saying I'm not saying you don't, but what we're but, talking about is you got to allow people the grieving process. I understand that, but, <laughs> but you see, you for me, I have made peace because here's the thing. When I was watching Federer match yesterday, I was really upset, you know, just like, because I don't, because that guy looked like, you know, the German guy looked MAGA. And I was just like, we ain't losing to MAGA out here. We can't. We can't lose to MAGA. But I was just like, how can I be out here putting expectation on this dude? Like, he got four kids. He's 40. <laughs> we are literally the same age. Federer and I are the same age. Like, when I said the same age, we are twins. Like, I can, like, it's, I'm going to scream at Venus. I'm just like, look, girl, you're enjoying it. Because, you know what? You know, you know I scream what? because to me. there's, no, there's to me. no crowd coming behind them. Let me tell Back you something. The, the amount of passion that we have for these players, who do you got that passion for right now? Well, yeah. I was going to say. back in the day, back in the day, any given Sunday, Roger Federer is lifting a trophy, and I'm happy as I'm like a kid in a candy store. Oh, shut the hell up. And we I, still want our faves to win always, I guess period. You. But Roger Federer has Roger Federer, Venus, Serena to herself to next then have given me so much pleasure yeah. and joy that I cannot this is like me going expecting my boss to be like, you know what? You did 40 cases last year. I need the same shit from you today. Like, no, I cannot be making the same demand. Roger Federer is on here playing and he's enjoying himself. Venus is minding her business. She's getting a little business going. I can't be mad at that. You know what I mean? I cannot, because you know what? These young people, no matter what, you're right. None of these young people can give me the same energy. I'm excited for Coco because I see Coco, I see Venus. And I'm like, don't put too much pressure on this little girl. You know what I mean? But it's the same attitude, including that wonky serve. But I just have to let it go. I Because you know what? My champions are humans too. And I, what I'm wanting from them is a, is a product. And I can't demand people to give me products every single day. That's kind of capitalist of me. I'm just saying. I have to let it go sometimes. No, sorry I about this. Um, last year, during the last dance, right? Wrote this big yeah. long essay about the last dance and why, why people, you know, what is so, what is it about this figure? And one of the sections of that essay was we protect our time. You know, we protect our time. Like when I was growing up, you know, I was a big, you know, 
Tony Dorsett fan, you know, watching football. And of course, then the old heads were like, yeah, but you didn't see Jim Brown, right? I mean, so you can take <laughs> your time, right? And yeah. Yep. There's not going to be for us anything, maybe for the rest of our lives, that duplicates this because of yeah. what it yep. right? And so for me, like I always tell people, I owe Rafael Nadal a debt. I owe him a debt. And the reason why I owe him a debt is because I love this sport growing up. I was a, I, I love the 80s tennis. And Sampras and all that, it just didn't move me. You know, <sighs> didn't love it, right? He's not I'm, coming back here again, Andre. Sorry. Talk, talk to your friend. Hold on a second. I'm just telling you. I'm just <laughs> yeah, telling you like, my arc, right? Yep. It's just my arc in the sport. And as, you know, grass court, U.S., you know, not even issue, it's grass court tennis with all, I mean, it just became too imbalanced. Ace, ace, ace. It just bored the shit out of me. I just wasn't, it lost me. And also, I will also admit, I was a big Ivan Lendl fan. And when he went out, I went out, right? So, you know, the women kept me going because there was a, there was a transition that, you know, you went from Chrissy and Martina. I wasn't a huge graph fan, but then Venus and Serena came along. So you could sort of stay with it, right? So you didn't lose it on the women's side. On the men's side, I lost it. And then Federer comes along. And the type of sports fan that I am, I am not a dominance guy as much as I am a dominant rivalry guy. And I'm like, could somebody please show up to give me magic and bird? Could somebody give me something that we used to? Could somebody give me Chrissy and Martina? Could somebody make Roger Federer believe that maybe possibly he could lose? And then when Rafa showed up, it's on. And it brought me back to the sport. I was like, this is what I want. I want two titans knowing damn well that both of them have to bring it. And they brought it, brought it, brought it. And then, of course, Novak shows up. And you've got this golden age of tennis that is not going to get duplicated for some time. I mean, we have to go back. You know, you got to go back and think. Remember when, when Sampras got 12, it was like, nobody's touching that. Right. It was like nobody and nobody was supposed to touch Chrissy and Marty. 18 was like 18. Right. And so what we've been given during this period, I'm sorry, I can't ask Dominic team to give me more. Right. I can't. <laughs> you know, they can't even give you one. Right? <laughs> they can't even get you to one. You know, Zarev and saying, OK, I'm going to need you to carry me. So it so to Andreen's point. If you take us just talking about this emotionally as fans or talking about it from a journalism standpoint or talking about it from a network standpoint, this sport is about to take a dip. And that's huge. That is why they are trying so desperately to have Coco Goff and Naomi Osaka or somebody could somebody because we're about to go off the cliff in terms of star power. But listen, yep. I, I hear all of that, Howard. I I challenge your whole premise with the rivalry, dynasty, whatever. Y'all just like Nadal, and it's fine just to say you love no, Nadal no, no. because he was beaten. It's fine. It's fine, Howard. No judgment. No judgment. challenge my premise when I'm telling you the story of my life? I said what I said. I'm just saying it's okay to love Nadal and just love Nadal. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because, 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 Howard, Howard, here's the thing. too good. Let me just say, let me just say this because you know, y'all be like erasing some bit of history, right? Look, 
you could be talking about somebody beat Federer. You know, you, can someone come along and beat Federer when your homeboy sitting in what, 13 French Open or 14? This you know what I mean? is bitter. I mean, it's not about being bitter because what I'm simply saying is that the reason why y'all wanted a Nadal, y'all, y'all, want, y'all didn't want a Nadal. Y'all just wanted a champion that y'all loved. Because y'all didn't like Federer. Because Nadal and Federer is the same thing. It's the same. It's the same kind of. That's not true. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is no. Listen to me. When was the last time you remember the French Open champion there? Usually the French would have some people like sprinkle and win a little couple of three, like a Guga curtain. Yeah, the French, the French Open used to be the one that anybody could win. No, yep. but then, but then someone would dominate for a little bit, and then, then they, they get tired, right? But Guga, it's where we uh, got our surprises. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Australian Open used to do that too. Okay. No, Australian Open is. Nobody cared about the Aussie for. But no one cared about the Australian. But I'm just simply saying how you know it's not really to sort of like. I'm just simply saying that you you're talking more for Federer was dominating too much. When Nadal was dominating, y'all weren't saying shit. That's because <laughs> he, like, no, it's not true. That's because, huh? Hang on yeah. a second. Inaccurate. The reason why you didn't talk about Nadal dominating too much when he was dominating the French was because he wasn't dominating everything else. Roger was still yep. dominating. But, Nobody but, but, but we <laughs> fixed that though. They fixed that though. Let's well, they, talk about the fact that we've literally that the sport is. You just said earlier. I'm not arguing about that. I'm just. I'm just. I was being facetious about the point. But I'm just simply saying, you know, like I think y'all wax poetry a little bit too much when it comes to trying to save y'all faith. But I would just say that for me, I hear all you're saying. I I hear all you're saying about the whole the sport taking a dip, and I just think you know what. I just want people to live. For me, the institution is never more important than the people. And I just think these people, they want to stick around. They want to go. And I don't think that Naomi Osaka or Coco Goff is out here need to save the sport. Because you know what? The sport isn't going to save them. The sport doesn't care about them. But I understand. But what I think needs to happen here in tennis is that the players need to stop sitting down and expecting everything to be made for them. Okay. They're gonna have to sit down and figure out how to grow their own sport. Collect because a couple of things at you. Okay. Let me, throw, let me throw two things at you. Number one, and this is just an aside, so it's two A, right? Number one, I thought Michael Jordan was just way too good in the nineties, and I just didn't think anybody challenged him. I just didn't, and I was well. Like, he got rid of all the competition. Remember? Right. Just, well, they just don't. I don't. But I don't think anybody during that era. I think that the dip we're talking about, which, that we're seeing, we're gonna, we're about to see, is the same dip you saw coming out of the 1980s in the NBA. Right. Anyway, that's a, that's a different aside. But let's go back to 2017. Okay. 2017. I am driving in a whatever we were in some some town car about to go to the Daily Show. Daily Show. Yeah, we're about to go to the Daily Show. I'm in the car with Carmelo Anthony. All right. And we're driving around and we're talking about Ferguson and we're talking about, you know, Sandra Bland and all the stuff that's going on. And there was and, and Donald Sterling and then talking about Donald Sterling. And, and, and as I've done in these interviews, I've said to people that whenever I think about Naomi Osaka, I immediately come back to Donald Sterling with the Clippers, where he's caught on tape saying, who makes the game? Do I make the game or do they make the game? It's the player's game, right? But anyway, while I'm talking to Carmelo, he's talking about the number of conversations that he's having with pro athletes and all the pro athletes and all the people that come to them and say, it's time for y'all to start your own league. It's time for you to do all the things that reels that you're saying. It's time for us to take more advocacy over our sport. We're the players. We make the game. 
now we need to take ownership of this. And Carmelo said, could not agree, could not agree more except for one problem. Everybody's comfortable. What would I know you that. Do? Would you rather, you know, what did Melo say? He said, would you rather invest, if you've got $20 million in the bank, would you rather invest two or three million of that? Or would you just have somebody else give you 12 million to show up? He's like, the players have no real incentive. Their billions beat our millions. And when you look at what these athletes are doing, especially in tennis, I don't see a great deal of groundswell of numbers. They're all pretty happy with how it's all working right now. I mean, the one thing about this Osaka story that has struck me isn't just the catty nature and the black-on-black crime that's going on that nobody's talking about um, between the, the Venus, Serena, Osaka, Sloan Stevens comments, which I find very funny and shady, um, but no one's talking about the fact that very few athletes have really come out and said, yeah, we need to do something here about what our sport looks like for us. They're leaving her out there by herself. Mm -hmm. right? I agree. And that's a question I've been thinking about too. So in terms of the transition, so we've talked about maybe there's a transition that's happening with the players, but then there's also a transition that's happening with the sport overall. And the fact that in order for the sport to thrive, it may have to change. It may have right, to become exactly. something different. And who's going to lead that charge? It's like any industry. The folks who are holding the bag are not going to lead that charge, right? The oil industry doesn't want to cede to anything that's coming up next. So I think similarly, that's the same thing that's happening. The only one that's going to lead the charge is potentially the worker. And the workers are the players, right? By asking for different kinds of work environment. I was struck by you, what you said, oh, Howard, and Janine, I know you want to pop in here too, is that none of the players saw this as a workplace condition issue. They, they have not treated it as such. How do you not see that as a workplace? But also tennis just traditionally doesn't do that. Like tradi traditionally tennis players just kind of put their head down, individualistic, go about my business, do my thing. But at some point in time, during a pandemic, right. how you don't perceive these issues and challenges <laughs> oh. as workplace related continues to confound me, particularly since Novak Djokovic and his PPTA, whatever group that they're doing, getting all this advice from externals, which is what they've said they're doing. They're getting advice from stars and people who really understand what we're saying and da da da. But I'm, I remain unconvinced because they don't use the solidarity language. They don't no, use they... this rounded language that allows me to see this as a bigger issue than one not... or two thing. <laughs> we're not all in it together, right? And I think that this is I, I think that there is something there. I think, I think the most important thing, whenever I try to deal with these complex issues, I always tell myself, don't speak in pronouns. When we say it, what is it? What is it that we're actually talking about? And I think that I, it's my feeling that the, that the players view this as a Naomi Osaka issue and not a workplace issue. Yeah, yep, for sure. And, and, and they're not completely wrong. No, right. for sure, for sure. Because, because those players need this element of the sport for now. They, the ones who aren't Naomi Osaka, actually need some of this. They, you know, they they understand that. Um, you know, it goes back to what someone said to me the other day. 
is something unfair because it's hard for you, right? That's a tricky thing, what yes. What we're really saying is that this is hard for her. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's unjust. And that there was another question that was brought to me, which is that it's truly difficult for you. Maybe, maybe your industry is difficult for you. That maybe you don't need to be here. That do we, like Bomani was on one day, we were doing a podcast and he was talking about how much are you entitled to your confidence? Does the, is it the tournament's responsibility to help you be a champion? No, but you know what it is? The thing I'm the thing I was thinking about this for a lot of players, because I mean I saw a really, really great set of quotes from Federer about managing the press. And I know people love to trash Federer because he's sort of the height of whiteness in people's mind, right? But yet I remember listen, Federer's been defending his career. Federer has been defending his career since 2008, right? It is years from now. And people don't hear that because they tune in at different moments in time. But he's been defending his choices, his career for years. And at various points in time, the press has taken an aggressive stance against all of them. But I actually think it's a special group, though. It is a core group of people that carry the weight of the pressers. It's not your 200 rank player. It's like it's not, exactly. It's like They're your not, top 10 or middle. even your top five. It's a very small group. It's a very small group. And Naomi is entering that small group. So yeah. I can understand that people are saying this is a Naomi issue. That's true. That's fair. Because realistically, the, the burden of pressers are on the stars. That that's that's and so I can under I can go down that well, road. With and that. most people don't even understand how this works, right? I mean, people. What, what I found interesting about this story is that people are bringing so much of their grievance to an issue where the issue yes. is their grievance. Yeah. It's, not, it's not even really what she's saying. Are we even completely clear about what she's saying, right? And so we need, to me, there's no question that our industry, if you consider yourself a journalist, has all kinds of challenges and all kinds of, of issues that need to be worked through, especially if you're black and a woman in this sport. Just walking into this sport is hostile and is hostile territory, right? Just walking in, I mean, is, is it that long ago when part of the press conference was talking about Serena and Venus's beads on the court? I mean, let's yep. not right. what we're talking about here. You know, um, it's a very difficult place to be in terms of identity. There's no question about that, right? But is that exactly what Naomi Osaka is talking about? I don't think so, because... I don't think that's what I, Because, to be honest, she has been... I said this offline to a friend. I said, listen, Take it. quiet as it's kept, Serena and Venus walked through fire so that she could walk through something much cooler. Well, and that's what... There I, is no doubt about that. But I'm simply saying that my thing was just that if I don't feel like showing up to work today, I should be allowed to say, I don't want to do something at work. And I will accept the consequence. But, but Venus and I, Serena weren't able to do that. But I mean, they, they could do it. And Venus did, has done it. They didn't when they started. Because no, they understood started, that they right, were creating that is a path. You can't that is do true. it when you're the first. Right. I'm, I'm not, and, and I'm not mad. I'm, that, again, you know, I hold no special... Yeah, yeah feelings for the tennis press call because yeah. I don't even think they're really journalists anyway. I was gonna but say who's in that room? Because because <laughs> well, one of the interesting on. thing that we because one of the interesting thing I think that needs to be put out that hasn't been laid out is that these journalists worked for the tournament. 
they are the mouthpiece for the tournament. A lot of them are simply there no, because there's no really, they never ask anything of the tournament. They never yeah. put any, they don't pose any question to the, the tournament because they know that they're only there by the largest of the tournament. Yep. So the tournament put out the, the hit, you know, like, I want this player going down and they all write the same story, right? There's no investigative journalism within this. Any major issue that happens, it's always obfuscated. They always walk around the issue or quietly not mention it. A tennis player at the French Open was arrested. The Parisian police had her in handcuffs. That is not splashed across the headlines because the tournament don't want that story out. So the journalist all falls in line. So don't then come around and tell me it is the player's responsibility to grow the sport and for, act for journalistic integrity and freedom of the press yes, when sir. you don't even do the job. Yes, I'm simply saying, but for me, for, she said, she simply said, for mental health reasons, I don't want to show up today. I don't want to show up for this other thing. Because you know what? She knew exactly what was going to come. And even if she didn't even give an excuse, she said, I don't want to show up. I give you notice. Because it wasn't like she just said, you know, like after the first round match, I'm not going to depress her. She gave them almost a week's notice or several days notice. And she said, I will accept the fine. That's it. Because those are the rules. You don't show up. You, you you pay a fine, and that's it. Let that go. But the, yes. the tournament decided that we don't yes. want it because it was only there was no sympathy for her. She couldn't do. She couldn't make this move in a position of power, even though it was an individual po point. And no other player have shown any interest in like not showing up for presser. But they had to put her in a vulnerable position because as a black woman, she couldn't be in a position of power. So they had to be like, oh, she's depression. She's going, they almost had a close to suicide. I But they didn't do that. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They didn't do that until she put out her second statement. When they, when she initially said, I don't want to do press, it was basically shut up and dribble, sit down, right. come to I your mean. job. We're, and then when she elaborated, and I'm not sure that she really should have ever had to do that. Then it was, okay, what can we do to help? But why are you making that face? No, because, because she didn't, because the thing about it, she didn't say, because it's about what can we do to, she, she was very clear in, in her intention, right? She sent them She a, was a, clear. She was clear. However, she elaborated on everything and she tried to make people understand more. Like, yes, she did tell us, I'm struggling with a mental health issue and therefore I'm not going to do press. And the tournament said basically, yes, you are. And then they muscled up with every other major and said, you're going to do it or you're not going to play in you know, then it was, okay, this is more of what's going on. And she gives a, a bigger explanation. And then the powers that be, because then she pulls out. That's not what they wanted to happen. We've talked about this. They wanted her to say, okay, I will come. So when she didn't do that and when she didn't fall in line and she said that I just won't play, I didn't want this to happen. Then it was, we hear you. Yeah, but I, I, I have an issue with all of that. Well, and all of it. I, I still believe, well, I think there are three pieces of you start to sort of pull these threads. Yep. Number one, this is an issue. If you really want to talk about the issue, this is an issue between the Federation and the players. That's yep. what this is about. This is a workplace issue. It's a labor issue, right? Bottom line. You want to talk about us and what we do? Fine. You want to do that, but that's not what this is about. This is about the fact that she handled it one way and then they dropped a building on her. Yeah, but the pre but the press aided and abetted the situation. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let, let, let's do the threads. Let's do the threads. Let's do the first piece. The first piece of this is this is between those two. 
in that you can make an argument that they got their backs up because let's go back to thinking about where Osaka is as a player. They did bend to her last year at Western and Southern, right? When she said she wasn't going to play after Jacob Blake got shot, right? And instead they turned her withdrawal into a pause and allowed her to keep playing when she said she wasn't going to play. Right? Yep. So there is a history here when you're thinking about this is, I know it's not a it's not team sports, but it's owners versus players. Are you a, yep. are we partners? Or are we employees? Right. And so it's very clear that they that the that the federations that when they decided to come hammer her the way they did, they were sending that message to all the players. I mm -hmm. still maintain that none of this shit should have been public. Yeah. This way this yep. generation communicates, and when you communicate a position publicly like that. They came out and said, okay, if you want to be public, we're going to be public. And now we're not even talking about the issue. Now it's a fight. Secondarily, yeah. if you believe the stories, and we need more journalism here, we need some investigative stories about what went down between these two sides. If it is true that the tournament after her statement went back to her and said, hey, can we talk about this? And she said, and she gave him the hand and said, talk to my team after the tournament. They're coming after you. Now, now it's on, right? Now, now you've got a public battle. And nobody's going to win that. It's going to end up badly for everybody. And Not so for I'm, her, though. It that? did for her, though. It I think for some for people, it did for her. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, are, we're, to play. we're on our side, but it, I mean, we're on our side theoretically and practically, but it wasn't great for everybody. She didn't get what she wanted. She wanted she them to be compassionate her. towards her. Absolutely. It didn't work. Everybody lost here. Everybody lost here. Right. And here's the other thing. Right. There's something else taking place here that nobody's talking about because it hasn't come out yet. Right. Which is she hasn't committed to Tokyo yet either. Right. That's her home country in the Olympics. NBC is the rights holder. NBC went to Osaka's camp to say to her, can we get 15 minutes from you? Can we get 15 minutes from you and to promote the Olympics? Because the country wants her to be the flag bearer. And they don't even know if she's coming. But 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 right? but I think there's another. I think this is but, sorry to that point. I think with the Olympic sending, I think this is just an NBC issue because no 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 no. Wait no, hold wait, on. wait. Let him finish. Let him finish the point. Because and then the reason why back. I'm saying this because Real, the can, we, can we let him finish and then oh, come back around? Yeah. So she went to them and said no. <laughs> She declined an She declined doing any promotion for the Olympics, right? So all of these things are starting to come together at once, right? And what's really got them upset was the timing of this happened to be if the Wall Street Journal comes out and says she's got $55 million in endorsements and everything else too. And so all of it, it's like this perfect storm of control versus you know, versus are you struggling with a real issue here or are you, you know, it's a battle right now. So I, I've just put that piece of it out there. You can deal with the press part of it after, you know, you're, you know, you said what you got to say reels. But to me, that's the first piece of this. I mean, there's a lot going there. There's, there's, a, there's a, a lot going on there because what you've done is we've made it very personal when actually these two are very these two are business titans. Business issues. These are these are business issues that are going to get the color of personal 
but she's an industry in and of herself. That's right. And this is the part that isn't being unpacked because all of this tells me that there are negotiations going behind the scenes that is larger than this sort of like, I'm a depressed person. There's a whole industry that's cropping up around her, which by the way, I think that's a big, that's a big piece that Bardosa just talked about. And she's not even an industry. She's like, suddenly you have people who are asking things of you as a 20 something year old, where you now have an empire that you have to mine. And this sounds like a lot. I remember um, Raven Simone said, you know, I was carrying a whole show. I couldn't be sick. If I come to, if I was sick, (laughs) I had a cold. Everyone behind the scenes and in front of the scenes couldn't come to work. Mm-hmm. I was I was a whole industry, and that's the thing. But I would say that you know the Olympic issue is because the Olympics is very unpopular in Japan. Yes. So I don't know if she if she really wants to come out and say I am for the Olympics when exactly right. Japanese she, is being questioned. And people and do Japanese remember. But you guys, she's she's talked about this. She did drop a little piece. She, I don't remember if it was press. I think it was press conference. I don't remember where, but someone asked her what she thought about the Olympics. Her answer really was very clear. She said she didn't want it to happen. She said, what she said was, "Me as an athlete, of course I want to play. I want to play in the Olympics." As human and given what's going on in the world right now i don't think it should happen she's already said this publicly yeah and 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 like i mentioned her japanese-ness is being questioned and well, does she want but, but always been as a black japanese um is she um, legitimate is she legitimate she doesn't speak fluent japanese you know she was born in japan and to add peace the olympics is only being held because of nbc that's right NBC owns a television right. The IOC is getting all of its money from NBC. Right. It doesn't need to. And, and the sway of NBC is so powerful that the finals for gymnastics and swimming and key events, I think with the exception of track, track and field, in fact, the marathon is going to be run at night in Japan, in Tokyo. It's being held in the morning as the same thing in Beijing, right? So 8 o'clock finals as opposed to 8 p.m. finals. Because 8 p.m. Okay. over there is prime time for American audience on the East Coast. And I think about 5 o'clock for you in California. But the other thing is that every medical official in Japan is saying, do not hold these games. Don't do this. In New England, there is a state of emergency in Japan, Tokyo, until July 20th. The Olympics start on the 23rd. Oh, shit. The, right. So this is on to Tuesday, and the Olympics starts on the 23rd, the Friday. This is... They don't have enough, about, what, 5% of the population, I think, and I'm being generous with 5%. Yeah, I think I've said this over and over with my percentage. Of the population is vaccinated. The reason America, in order for America to be like 50-something and 60% um, vaccinated is that we literally took vaccine from other countries. That is the reality of the situation. It is a scale. You can't ramp up production because the pharmaceutical companies don't want to sell this business to the thing. No, that situation with NBC, I mean, it's all a bigger puzzle, as we said. You're right, Andrea, you know, we're making this a personal matter when this could be, it's financial, it is all an empire. And I think someone on, um, on Twitter always say, y'all are giving this little girl too much power. You're conceding too much power to this young woman. That And 
you but know, to your I point, agree. though, Reels, this is the kind of reporting that should that have been made that would have made the value of a press conference useful. Now that's because, the question. Did she anticipate all she was going to come in there in that room? Well, and did do? she anticipate that she was going to be asked about these things? All did she anticipate that these were going to be things on the ground because people knew about it? These are not things that every everyday fan knows. Maybe not. But did she anticipate this because she's she is the head of an empire? But we're seeing her solely as maybe a player and the way that this has been so you know, so it's like a, I think this sort of bigger picture is the kind of thing that I wish that I have not seen anyone write about this in this exactly. way. Exactly. No they, one they're gonna be having a chit chat, be like, Naomi, how do you feel today? How was the you, you beat this girl today? And that's it. They're not but going I mean, to But, ask it, but any to your point about holding accountable the people that needs needs to be held accountable, these are the kinds of questions that we would have liked to see a reporter ask the tournament, ask about sponsorship, ask about like coverage, ask about you know, these are the kinds of things that I think is would be used. We don't actually see anyone cover. Nope. tennis in this way because this this would also allow us to leverage questions about nbc owning peacock owning the rights to federer's match like all of these things are somewhat part of the puzzle that no one unpacks for us as like fans of the sport that want to understand better i don't want to necessarily know how you feel about bts as a band or those kinds of things like those kind of off-color things are fun, but that's not the nature of the press conference. And so, Howard, it's been interesting to me to hear you kind of defend the press conference, knowing in some ways that these issues are not being brought to fore in well, that I'm not, I'm not. No, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, but defending the press conference, what I'm defend, what I'm defending is, is the existence of the challenge of the press conference. Right. Like what we're really talking about when you're let's let's go to the media piece of this. The, yeah. What what did Naomi Osaka really say? What I heard from her was her saying, I don't want to do this. Right. And I'm like, OK, well, I cover team sports mostly. And if someone doesn't want to talk, they don't have to talk. I don't care. I mean, you're not obligated to talk to me. You know, I cover an industry and whether you want to be quoted in that industry is fine. I don't I don't look at her and go. Oh, this is a scandal. This is an outrage. You need to, you know, all four slams need to call each other and come up with a strategy. I, I was not in that. I was not in that boat at all. I was not, you know, I was not that person, you know, because I just care. I'm like, OK, if she don't want to talk, she don't have to talk. Um, Do you can I ask? Let me ask you a question right there. Do you think that if she would not have made an announcement and just decided match by match to not show up to press and take a fine that this would have been as big of a deal i don't i think that this that's why i think that this whole thing was a question of tactics and that's why i think that that's why i think that when people say oh there was there was well what, they, what were they going to say and how can you blame osaka when I, I put out a tweet saying that they all handled this poorly right osaka by doing what she did right she put a stake in the ground you know, she put a stake in the ground. She was like, we're changing the paradigm right here, right now. And she didn't mm -hmm. have the backing of the other players to do that. Right. So if she had done, Janina, to your point, if she was like, I'll talk. And then I decided after my match, I'm not talking and I'll pay the fine. If she just did it real stealthily like that, we're not even having this conversation. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree that she could have just gone one at a time. Oh, today I feel good. I'm talking. Today I don't feel good. I'm not talking. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm really struggling. Don't feel yep. good. Whatever. And I'll pay the fine. I do like Petra, you know. 
right? Get injured. <laughs> but what she did, <laughs> forgive and me. Not only, and not only that, but if you're the tournaments, you already know that she's being positioned as this next great activist slash athlete. You already know this from last year, right? And then when she puts out the statement that says, and if you're not going to listen to me, I just got to laugh. They're like, fuck this, right? Now they're fighting, right? Now they've got their backup. So that's why I still say that there was a, this, any, you can all, everybody can handle things however they choose to handle it. How she chose to handle this was going to create a battle. And maybe yeah. that was the that she wanted to create because she thought that she thought that there were, and if you remember her first, her first statement didn't even really talk about her that much at first. It talked about other athletes. We've seen other athletes, you know, struggle at these press conferences. Super. Right? We've seen them break down. We've seen them. So she was talking for the group, you know, and the group was like, not And me. the group was like, not me, not me. Please come to my house. No. No, but that, <laughs> I think. But they didn't go to those people's house, though. They didn't go to anyone. But, but I think it also, I think it really matters that last summer she was labeled as a troublemaker, whether we want to call it that or not. When she well, said she wasn't going to play, but it, but it's really worth bringing up. But, but I, no, we don't. Really I, hold on, we don't think she's a troublemaker. No, no, we no. Think, but I mean, I mean, from a brand perspective, I think, is she? No, I she think from a tennis. Too. But I think from a tennis perspective, she shut that shit down when she said, I'm not going to play because people are out here getting murdered and I don't feel right about it. So I'm not going to play, which I don't know that tennis would have followed suit with every other sport that wasn't going to play. I don't know if they would have done that without Osaka doing that. I don't think she's a troublemaker. I think that I don't think she's a troublemaker. But I don't think the brands received her as a, these are conservative no, brands that she co-opted. I, that's not what I'm saying, Andrew. That's not that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying the tennis people. I'm not the okay. establishment of tennis. I don't mean her brands or who she represents. I think that tennis, the the ITF, the ATP, the WTA, when that happened, they She's probably said Oh shit! But you see, I I think I think they made a mistake at the Western and Open. They should have just let her go. Yeah, I think they should have. That they should have the not. They, they should because she had already stated that I was out, and they broke they, their own rules by right. going to her negotiating yeah. and coming back. And they well, had, they were like they were like ratings. They were like, I need we need her body in the in the stand. We exactly, need her body because, on the court because they their whole that. response was very messy anyway, right? That didn't yeah, mean yeah. anything. They like, but they should have just let her go because yeah. by then you then tell her, you know, like you really have some power. And she's just like, wait a minute. And her people, well, her brand, her team were just like, wait a minute. Why did they even right. come back to you about this? They should have said, okay, we hear you. We're sorry. Move it. But you know tennis, right? When Monica Sellers got stabbed, they still played the finals. They still play that finals. But and this is how tennis is tennis never meets the moment appropriately or accurately in any tennis. capacity. They tennis. just it's it's too many old people. Tennis has what? decided, but I think I think this is a really important piece of all of this, right? To understand the industry of tennis. And yeah. as and you know and and reels, you know, you know it, you got it, right? This is this is how it works. They are a private bunch they run they don't feel like they have to answer to anybody i was telling someone the other day they're gonna answer to it when their ratings start tanking thank you and they got no look at the <laughs> but let's remember let's remember 
you know, when old Andre Agassi was like, I think this tennis whites tradition is stupid at Wimbledon. And they're like, fine, Mr. Agassi, you're welcome not to come, right? However, the difference is, is that this isn't 1988 anymore and that the stakes are higher and that the, you know, all of the different pieces that we're looking at right now, um, maybe we're all overstating this, right? I don't think that we are. But if you're the tennis industry, you know what Roger, Rafa, Serena, Djokovic have done for you. And you know that you haven't had a dry period like this in your history in terms of the, in terms of the open era for one major reason. At the very least, you had an American carrying stuff, all right? You still had an American carrying the sport, whether it was in the 80s, you still had Mac and you still had Chrissy and you still had the rest of them, right? And then you go into the 90s, you still had Venus and Serena carrying it. And, you know, you had Capri, you still had an American presence. Even you get into, now you get into the golden era, you get into, you know, Rafa and, you know, Roger and all that carrying it. But while that's happening, the American presence has disappeared. So who is your anchor going to be when Serena's gone and when all those guys are gone and when that stuff is so, so maybe tennis is going to look at it this way and say, well, we're still the French opener. We're still Wimbledon or we're, we don't have to change. But I think that this new upcoming landscape is going to force them to change how they do business. Cause I think the business has shifted in a way that even they never anticipated. Well, and well, how much do you think social media, though, plays a part in that? Because we discussed on our last podcast about how we kind of, you have the, the, the way the press conference works anymore and what that actually means. You don't need to wait for a journalist to write their piece to know what the players are thinking anymore because well, I, they're talking directly to the public. So if people continue to talk and we know their stance outside of pressers, what is that? What kind of push does that put well, on the industry? Well, let's break this piece down. Let's just break the press conference piece down into two pieces. One, there is the there's the fan perspective, which, by the way, is not the only perspective, right? Mm-hmm. For the fans, absolutely. Fans, you don't need press conference. I mean, fans, you can go to Naomi Osaka, or you can go to Feds, you can go to Rafa, you can go to whoever's Instagram page, you can go to whatever fan page, whatever website, you can, you can get your information from them without us. It's no, that ship has sailed a long time ago, right? A long time ago. We know they don't need us, and they know they don't need us, right? Mm-hmm. The tournament needs us, because to Reels' point, when he was talking about, well, who's in that room anyway, they know that for our industry, Tennis ain't priority anyway. We're not sending people anymore. They need people yeah. in there. How many times have we gone into a press room and there's nobody in there anyway? Like, how many times have we seen, like, if you go to the U.S. Open, if you're not in the main interview room, there's nobody there. You go to interview two, there's a, there's a player who just played a five-set match sitting there waiting for somebody, anybody, to ask them a question, right? So it's not what it looks like, right? So I think from a fan standpoint, absolutely. From a journalism standpoint, yes, we still cover an industry. And if you and if you are one of the outlets that you know you send and you spend your ten thousand dollars or whatever to send a reporter there, you know, to have a seat, to have a phone, to have all that money that you're paying to go to that tournament, then the tournament does owe you some access. Right? Because then then the industry is gonna shrink even more. If the New York Times is gonna be like, well, wait a minute, we're sending three reporters to to, to England and nobody's available, then, you know, the industry itself begins to think, well, we're not going to send anybody. 
So the industry is in far more peril than the actual athlete. But there are two different pieces to this. One is the fan piece. The other is the industry piece, right? So these two things but, run in addition. But the, but the industry piece to me has, has done itself a disservice. Um, because I think the coverage, the coverage that we're getting of te for tennis airs on the side of like you as a fan going and getting this piece, right? But the conversation that we've just had about the in industry itself the analysis that you've done about what's going on behind the scenes with Naomi Osaka, that is the value that we want a journalist to bring to the table. Yeah, but you don't get that on the ground anyway. So and I don't. You don't, right? Like, and, they don't, um, and we don't get it after the fact either. Like, they don't do anything. They act as if they act as if work can only begin and end in that room with a player there. Well, and also, I think it's to the... I mean, if we think about... If we just pull back a little bit and look at sort of how the press, say, covered the presidency, Right. And the fact that they kept the last one or the current the one. last one. And the way they kept harping on the press conferences and all this kind of ridiculousness and access journalism. I think what we are missing, I think the fact that you get more access to people actually requires you to have more effective journalists to like weed through <laughs> all of the noise. Exactly. Because it's not enough for me to get something from Instagram from Federa or something from Instagram from whoever. I need someone who could do some deep analysis and some behind the scenes research because the player is always going to put themselves on a platform that's going to be friendly to them. And I'm not saying it has to be combative, but I'm just saying I need someone who's there to deconstruct a little bit to well, offer but, some more. But 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 how would and, and let, let me just let me just add to this bit. We're literally in a pandemic, right? Literally yeah. in a pandemic. And none of these journalists have done any analysis of COVID impact on the sport. Yes. I literally saw Ilya Marchenko's, um, he put up a YouTube video. He showed me a line at the French Open. I don't know whether it's 2019. I couldn't have been 2021 yes. because they were literally on top of one another. Well, I, and I Petra got injured at the French Open recently. Nothing. And this is what I'm this is why I cannot side with these. For me, I, I feel these people are dinosaurs that the big bang has happened and you've missed it. But I think you can you cannot side with them, but you can hold them accountable. I don't think you well, have to go down this mean. road of trashing it because it is kind of a convenient thing to trash it. But you have well, to ask them for better and for well, to be better. Because I I think I I have sorry been, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. go ahead, Howard. Sorry. You have to go back to you have to go back to uh, the the root of all this, right? The root of it is this: the press conference is a compromise, right? So if you said to the players, okay, these press conferences are bullshit, what would you rather have? Would the players rather have open locker room? Right? Okay. Well, they're not, they're the same, but, but... But then leave the locker room open, so, or, or do what they do in the Olympics with the mix zone or something, that at some point, the player has to be available, and even if it's not going to go into a press room. They don't want that. They, they, the press, they preferred, they negotiated the press conference, so we didn't get to go into the room. But, but, but here, but Howard, here's the thing with that, with that, whatever, you know, your point is that this was only one player say, I don't want to show up, right? This is only one player. This wasn't a spade of players. And even when she was showing up in Melbourne and all the other places, 
nothing was coming out of these press I mean, conferences. We have to move beyond the Israels. Like, let's move beyond the specific, the specific for Osaka. We no, 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 no. That, that was no, no. My point was that no, I'm, I'm not speaking of Osaka specifically. I'm just simply saying, even with the absence of one player, right? Nothing is happening here anyway. There are a bunch of stories true, that that could have been coming out of here. And even if she did show up, it wouldn't have changed anything. We would have gotten the same level of, of, of lack of work, if you can say, our accountability, because none of these journalists ask any tough questions to the tournaments, to the industry. None of those yeah, questions no, get that's, asked. Yeah, no, that's the piece that's missing and, and me. So, so it's to like, me, it's, it's, why, where, where are you holding the, journal, holding the tournament well, accountable? Right, yeah. exactly. You, you, they, they keep saying what, what is coming out of the journalism aspect of it is that it's the player's responsibility to grow the sport. But no it's one is asking. Exactly. No one even mentioned the TV access. We literally had a crisis yesterday. One of the greatest players ever was playing. It's not available. And we, no journalist could produce any kind of work to say, this is why this is happening. Or even a simple, this is where you need to go. And to me, it's just like, you can't then turn around and say, it is the responsibility of the players to grow the sport. And this, this growth is happening in a room where we get to ask, What's your favorite BTS band member, right? And those are the quality of the questions that I keep asking. And and no, and don't turn around and be like, oh, the person who just gave me the hundred dollar meal pass for the day. What is happening? What are you tournament doing to grow this sport? What okay. is happening? Here? So we've gone down that road. I think we've unpacked a couple of threads that I think is really important. But I, I want to sort of come back. And I think Howard, you made a really good point that maybe what we're talking about is that the the game has changed. The, the, the state of play has changed and we are going to have to have tennis respond to it better than it has thus far, which is both in terms of the, the lack of stars potentially in the next 18 months, the coverage of the actual sport itself, um, and then also kind of this battle that's going on behind the scenes, I think, between these various organizations, um, which is unclear is oftentimes yeah. unclear to the fans. Well, it's very unclear, right? Especially, right. you know, Davis Cup and this, and then who knows what all these federations, Labor Cup and the rest of it. I was going to say one quick thing, though. Yeah. Which is, whose birds are those? Janina's. So, Janina's uh, outside. <laughs> I love it. The outside is letting us know we are here. Right. <laughs> what I was going to say on this is that it also underscores something else, which is the major media industry itself does not cover this sport. Nope. Or it does not reach priority level. The investigative reporters that are at the New York Times, they're not covering tennis. They're not even thinking about this, right? The right. LA or, or the Intercept or whatever media outlets or 60 Minutes or whatever, whoever, they'll do a match fixing piece once every five years. Right. Yeah. And they'll leave the rest of it intact is that I think one of the hard things that tennis has to wrestle with and also what the fans have to wrestle with is that you're dealing with an industry that is not priority and that yep. you're dealing with an industry that doesn't even know what it wants to be. Does it want to be a private club or does it want to be a major sport? Right. Oh, my God. Can I tell you, that is the key, because every time someone says, why aren't we on the cover of this? I was like, do you know you are you are a niche sport? We love it. It's precious right. to us. But that's it. It's precious. Especially, but no Americans. You're not getting on the cover of anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I mean, 
and, and America, and this is one of the battles that we have, you know, at ESPN all the time too. Is I'm like, I'm like listen, listen, I am not a, and I think the group pretty much is on my side on this. Maybe is that I'm not a nationalist tennis watcher. No, not at all. You know, and but that you have to remember that that nationalist piece of this is how the sport has been sold forever. But it's a horrific way because but, but, why but would you even sell it that way when the people who have brought you your golden age have not been? Exactly. <laughs> and the people in that room are not all Americans. That's right. But that's we have to remember this. The roots yep. of the sport is English, French, Australian, and American. And that's where the four majors are. And that's how they run their business. And that's why, in a lot of ways, they're running their business into the ground. Yes! But, exactly. I and that isn't on the players. Need, you need to spin and on those black and brown the, folks. And because the players are all here cashing checks anyway. Because right. And here's the thing. So, when, when tennis gets into the major airwaves, right, the problem is that none of the people who are in that room can, uh, can able, are able to talk about tennis or have access to talk about tennis. They, and then you have... they spend their time slamming the locals. I was like, listen, if you're going to slam the locals for not understanding your sport, the fault is on your sport. Exactly. And its fault is on you because you haven't produced a piece because no one could quote and say, someone who was in the room wrote this piece and here are the specifics. And when you have tennis commentators, or when we have access, refuse to pronounce anybody's name, make up all kind of crazy, silly, treat the women like children, girls and whatever, make up fanciful stories about them. It doesn't help. So, well, I mean, you know what? And this is the thing. This is where we've landed, right? Because you've said it best, Howard and Reels and Janina, we've all said it in different ways, is that we who watch the sport know it's a private sport. And that's why whenever it gets mainstream attention, the nature of the, the very much, the nature of it being a, pl a club becomes so clear. It's yep. so naked. And that's why. When, like, I always remember these, like, when other journalists come in and do a piece on our sport, that's how you... It's like, that's not how it works. That's not how that works. No, that's not no, they'll name. say it, but they'll, they'll, they'll critique it in such a way that we, we look like special children who have been playing in our own little sandbox. Listen, and... <laughs> the Cleveland, the local Cleveland news, when they covered the Osaka withdrawing from the French Open... <laughs> They said she was African-American. I mean, people are clueless about tennis. They are clueless. And it's really sad. Well, but, beyond that, then, but but then when the we thing, talk, but, but we, we But we don't even rules. have anything. We but we can't, can't even, even talk about our rules because we know we apply them idiosyncratically. Exactly. So, and we can't even point to someone and be like, you know what? You know who have a good story on this? Who is in that room? <laughs> Go to so-and-so. We can't even do that. Well, we can there's another piece of this that I think we should talk pretty quickly about too, and that is the presence of the of the reporters as to why they're there, right? Because yeah. everything everything that we're talking about, you don't have to be necessarily on the ground to cover these things. We're talking about policy, we're talking about the industry, we're talking about the business. When you're on the ground, you're there to talk about the score. Yeah, yeah, right? which is and, foolish to me. <laughs> like, I mean, because they don't even watch the match. Right. Well, and that's why you need the press room because everybody's there's 20 matches going on at once, and this is where you grab your quotes from, right? Because I'm I'm on court three, and I don't have a pass to get on to center or whatever, right? So where are you getting when you have to do your sort of aggregate? You go into the press room, you get all the quotes from all the different matches, and so the stuff you know, the stuff that you weren't at, you have something that you could piece together a story with, and so in a lot of ways, just the actual like brick and mortar of how this, you know, covering a tennis match, how it act or an afternoon 
cover the first day of the U.S. Open. You got 64 matches going on, right, over the course of the day. So, of course, you need some central place because you can't be everywhere at once. But the other piece of this is, is that for the purposes of this conversation, the stuff that we're talking about, you would have to be covering tennis year-round. Yeah. And go to the press conference with your questions because you're actually covering the industry. And most of the people in that room, once that major is over, they're not even thinking about tennis until the next major. Even but we do have. But that, there are some people true. who put themselves up that they claim that you know that day, the press conference is their bread and butter. But it's where the writers cover tennis year round, where they've got the sourcing and it's something that you're covering non-major wise. Chris Clary covers the sport. You know, yeah. most most people in our business who cover tennis, it's like a second or a third beat. The yeah. only and I got to cover tennis was because my contract was up and I said, I want to cover tennis. They weren't like, gee, we really need you on the coverage. <laughs> I was like, I want to do this. And yeah. so, you know, when that, that being the case, it goes back to, to Andrean's, your, <clears throat> excuse me, your point about it being a niche sport. It's just not that important to the way the industry, to what's running the industry. You know, you look at our network, nothing is important to ESPN other than the National Football League, right? <clears throat> and we're rights holders when it comes to basketball. And now after George Floyd and everything else happened, now you'll start to see more women's stuff happening because now it's like, oh, snap, we have to do this. But if you're looking at what's moving the needle, football, 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 football. And that and makes sense. sense. So I know we've, 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 we've had a really good... Round the round round the world analysis about this whole thing. Thank you so much, Howard, for coming on and giving some background. I think the NBC piece, the Olympics piece, is a really key piece that I don't think got a lot of um, flavor. I'm well, hoping. ESPN uh, oh, said that Serena quest for 24th major. They sent me an alert. So ESPN <laughs> got something to say, Howard. <laughs> That's what they got. To say. It's been halted. Listen, okay? listen. <laughs> you mean to tell me they're not thinking about Schwantek's quest for number two? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, being undefeated at the French Open because she and Rafa are twinsies. She's just twinsies. Twinsies. She has to like 105 and 2, right? Yeah, something crazy. Something I crazy mean, ridiculous. Do you know how crazy this thing is? They've been carrying on like Schwantek hasn't dropped a set this tournament. They even count in doubles. They even <laughs> count in the doubles. But she lost a set today. I don't know if she lost the match. Because I, I was well, watching you, bits of her. I was just like... You know, I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, in all of this, you know, I have to say that the, whether the tennis journalism wants to be a thing, they got to got better people in there. They got to have diversity. And, and I don't and I know they don't want diversity in terms of color. I'm, I'm going to be diversity in terms of skill set. Because I'm going to stop you right there. And I would say, look, I don't want to betray my industry. I, actually, I love betraying my industry. Right. You got the C team out there. You don't even have yeah. the B team. I mean, I, I didn't want to put it that way, but I mean, like, you can say that. You can I mean, say that. I'm not going to. You know so, but you know what? To your point, it was this is fair because I remember when I was first, I was first graduated into one of those rooms and I just thought my job not so much was to interview the player because that was fine because some of it was off, you know, off court commentary was I actually thought it was like, can I ask? the tournament people things <laughs> like, oh like, me too that's actually really me really too. rare and hard and actually really difficult 
to do. Well, and it, it is. And I think that one thing that when we were talking about this, about the nature of the sport, like you have to, I always say, right, that the culture changes you before you change the culture. Yeah. Right. At whatever industry or business you walk into, that culture is going to envelop you and you can either like immerse yourself in it or you're going to spend a lot of time fighting it. Like there's a reason why at the end of a tournament, like to Reels' point earlier, when we're talking about the paternalism of the sport, or I think Gina said too, you're talking to you, like talking to the women, the girls, like you're five years old or whatever. You know, listen to the end of a tournament. Like we talk about it in team sports. Why are all these $20 million ball players calling the owner Mr.? Right? <laughs> this is the same thing at the end of a tournament. They're up there with their trophies, and I want to thank the ball kids, and I want to thank the sponsors. They are thanking the money. Yep. Right? So it's like you are at a disadvantageous position. It's not partnership. It's benevolence. Yep. And that is the sort of the. And the, that's what the Grand Slams taught. And that's the Grand Slam all about benevolence. <laughs> you walk around the grounds at Wimbledon, they make you feel like they're doing you a favor. Being yes, I'm letting you in. <laughs> and you know what? To be honest, they're letting you in without wearing whites. And they're like, okay, I'm just right. letting you know that you should be wearing whites. No. Right? I mean, and so. This is the culture of that sport that you're walking into. I, I remember 2014 and 15 US Open. I was like, can I do a story in Marin Cilic? What? Marin Cilic won the US Open. I, Because I, I literally was following. I stalked Marin Cilic. I was just like, because he was off by himself, doing his own thing. He was having fun. It was the best time of his life. No one wanted to sing. 2015. I was like, Italians really have a good time here. You know what I mean? Like, can I write a story about the Italians? I mean, like, Fabio Fanini dragged Rafa. You know I mean? Just like, nope. What are you talking about? Don't want that. Guess what? Roberta Vinci got up on her Instagram, on her Twitter account. <laughs> I beat Serena at one time. And Flavio Panetta won it. I mean, like, so to your point about it being the C team, it's just like, and to your point, the benevolent situation, I just don't think the tennis it's like a, you know those like store magazines like it's it's not it's gonna give you a sort of a fake look at thing but it's not giving you anything and you have no fans don't have any real value for it and yeah. therefore it doesn't mean anything outside of that room or outside of the i industry. mean we still got fans fighting over big three and and court placements and all kinds of silliness which right we already know what that stuff is about but, it's but about yet selling people TV who are at the tournament like, can't even about? give us any analysis about like courts like the evolution about how the codes have changed, the balls, and what, like we don't get any, and we know how much those things matter. We don't even talk about the equipment. Yes, but also into Reels' point, and I see rap, so I'm going to rap, but to Reels' point too, let's also not forget that while this is happening, just take this period, right, the last six, seven years. One, the prize money has gone bananas. Two, the U.S. Open grounds, I mean, th the money in the sport is crazy. It's horrible. Yeah. That place is a mess. I it's mean, enormous so there is so like for whatever we're talking about there's enormous amounts of money being infused into thrown in it right? yeah and, it, and it's, it's it's not it's not for the I local mean, fans not though. just us open though think about what think about the transformation of the cincy tournament and think, think about, about what's going on at indian wells yeah. i mean the this is the there's obviously some recollection recollection or a, a recognition at least that there's money to be gained here well and look at look at the money in asia yeah and so, but here's the thing that Asia is willing to put, put up the money, but no one needs to be in the stands. Like, they're good with that. Mm -hmm. But that's fine because then this is what the French just decided to do. Oh, well, we don't the French need to put people in the stands. Well, <laughs> the French, well, the like French is paying for that because they're going to have to pay out to Petra. 
And the reason why they're putting on, they're literally the story for why we're having matches at nine o'clock is because everybody got to get a piece of the pie. Japan wants to see K at prime time. So that's why K and Zerov is playing right now. And I mean, meanwhile, Europe is just like, why are we watching a match at nine o'clock at night? Like, we got to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) But you know what? That's to be fair. This is a global sport. You're going to have to deal with it. Like the tension between global sport and local needs always has to be um, resolved right. some way, right? <laughs> but, the, but the French Open is going to be surprised when Federer pulls out. The man was coughing after midnight. Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. Grandpa needs to be home in his hot water bottle. Like, <laughs> Federer shouldn't be out there at midnight playing some okay, young kids. let's kid. close with that. Let me ask you, Howard, since people yep. have been asking, what do you what do you think about that? I, I saw Patrick McEnroe said he didn't like that Federer was hinting that he would pull out. What's your sense about that, like, anticipatory pulling out, but knowing that, that priority? Roger knew once I get this match, I ain't playing in two days, right? Um, <laughs> I think that um, I Roger is a bit of a special circumstance in that it was sort of a it was sort of a gift that he even showed up. One, it's clay. Two, you know that this, either, you know, I guess the real question is, is that should you enter in a tournament that you have no intention of winning, right? Well, I mean, which would want, be weird because I, it's I, like. It's 280 plus people showing up. And only one could win. win. Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> like this idea that this is what I don't understand about tennis. It's like, I, I heard that, first of all, Patrick McEnroy, it can't be you. You can't talk about federal participation points. It will not be you. We're going to put a stop to that. Secondly, Federer said this weeks ago. Get a couple matches here in Geneva. Get a couple matches here wherever he played in the Backyard Classic. And a couple matches in the French Open. Like, y'all legitimate. This is what I don't understand about this sport. I think that they should have said to him, look, Roger, this is a grand slam. You either play to go or you can't come in here. But here's the thing. When well, he they wouldn't have said up, that, right? They wouldn't have never, didn't show up. If you, you want to have a problem with it, you should say that. That's true. But remember That's when true. he didn't show up, right? Remember what they said. How dare he not show up. Ooh. Exactly. They dragged him all over the place when he didn't show up. So I don't understand it. He said, I'm only coming in for several matches, couple matches. He played three. He won three. You got your prime time. Listen to me. Federer is old. He's grown. He can do what he wants to do. Oh, no. Can I tell you, though? Let's be honest. Federer was like, I know I'm not going to be able to play. So, Koffer, it was his job to snatch that match. That's the point. But but knowing knowing athletes, and this is why I love athletes and hate them at the same time, Federer know his ass after midnight was probably not going to come back. But yet he stood up on there and said, you're going to have to take this from me. Guess what? Guess what, boo? You ain't going to make that name off of me. You know what I mean? It ain't going to be you. And you know what? He likes Berrettini. Maybe he likes Berrettini. And see, Berrettini... You take one for the team for me, okay? Because no, no, I but, need you. But you friend. know, let me let me drop this here. Let me just say it now because someone's gonna say we didn't bring it up. Berrettini is represented by Federer's coach. In another world, that would be a very, very strange look indeed. Let me just say that, right? Mm-hmm. That would look weird. But here's the thing, but here's the thing, Andre. Berrettini and Federer gives a walkover to Berrettini. I don't think it's a problem, but this is, again, the nature of tennis. These are questions that people would unpack in other places. Uh, People in that room needed to ask Federer that question, (laughs) but they don't. They don't. All right. (laughs) Let's let our guests have the final word. I will not take no slander against Roger Federer. (laughs) Let him do what he want to do. He's grown. He's earned it. Let's let our guests have the final round. Um, Howard, we are coming to the midway point. 
What do you see for us to look forward to in the French? Who you see in the final? Who's going to be crying on Sunday? What's going on? <laughs> on Saturday. I, I am on the Sitsipash train right now. Oh my God. Hey! Play Giannos? Play Giannos. I'm happy about it. I just think he's going to the final. He looks it, though. He, looks, he looks good. I don't, he looks... I don't love watching his game, but I think he's going to the final. And I think that he's one of the... I, know I, I prefer Medvedev over on that side of the world. Um, simply because I just like his game better. I mean, there are very few players who just take what you give them and you still beat them. Like, for example, like, like, Monfils is a counterpuncher, right? Yep. But Monfils don't doesn't hurt you. Whereas yep. Medvedev is a counterpuncher, but he hurts you. That's yep. what I was about to say earlier, that Medvedev is the player Monfils wanted to be. Right. <laughs> and Monfils how should many, be. I mean, it's that lanky players? player style who is just not overextending himself. Try to hit a forehand. I'm like, exactly. that's you give me a backhand, I'm gonna hit a backhand. <laughs> exactly. You know? And, I'm like, oh, and his affect, his affect. Exactly. His you remember, affect. The, you know, you remember there's a there's a Serena point where Serena just like marching across point side to side. That's Medvedev playing style all day long. Everybody, you know, Nadal is, you know, busted a gut trying to get around the corner to get a forehand. Medvedev don't care. It's against the backhand. Not in the backhand, right? Yeah. You know? You know? Roger, Roger's on his horse getting around to that forehand. Not Medvedev. Medvedev's like, it's a backhand. I'll hit a backhand. And, never, and, and then he's going to tell you, fuck you, after it's over. Hey, man. And that's just how, sorry that I did not make you feel good today, right? And he can I say love it in it. French too. And he can yeah. say it in French too. He, he speaks excellent in... French. Uh, on the other side, I, I I will just stop at the semifinal. I don't know. I mean, I tend to, I think you're gonna get. I think it's gonna be Djokovic and Nadal. I don't know who's gonna. But who's there's gonna... no doubt about but... that. There's no doubt about those two gonna get to the final. How how see? Listen, I'm still thinking about Djokovic last year, so I'm feeling triggered. So I'm gonna think Nadal go to that final unless no, Djokovic I mean... comes awake. Y'all yeah, and play each other 60 times. Who knows who's going to win at this point, right? They just do what they do. I mean, for the sake of the press corps, I would love for Nadal to lose in the final so they have something to write about. Why? Hey, no. I mean, I mean, that is an easy story set up, right? It's an easy story. You don't have to do any work. Just say, the king has fallen. The king is dead. Thing. I will say one thing. Ask but I don't him. think he's going to lose. I am, I am looking forward to the grass court season as well. I am looking forward to seeing where this, you know, how this sport handles what's, you know, what's what. I will also say, too, because there's something else that was happening over at, you know, at ESPN that they had been asking us if we wanted to be on some sort of Serena watch. Like, mm -hmm. how many more times do you believe that she is a, is a championship favorite? And I just will have to say, I will, I give her sort of a mulligan on this one because I don't think that she was ever going to be a, a, a real French Open contender. But when Barty went, and then when Halep went, and then when everything, then it opened up. I don't think she's really assessing it this way. I think what she does at Wimbledon is going to say a whole lot between Wimbledon and the U.S. Open about how many more times she's going to give 24 a shot. Well, I think those are her strongest places. I think Wimbledon yeah. and the U.S.O. are her. Even though USO is a monster, I think those are the two places that I would love to see if she does it. I'd love to see her do it there. That's well, you'll know, you'll know movement-wise because you know you know she's always going to be a favorite at Wimbledon, and if yep. she goes 
out and if she goes out at Wimbledon and you know gets beaten by the ball if she's just not quick enough to get you know that's going to be that's going to say a lot yeah well let me just also telling. say this is also the same thing for Federer. Federer put his cap in Wimbledon. He's been like, I know. Wimbledon, Wimbledon, Wimbledon. I'm like, Wimbledon is a heartbreaker for you, dude. But here you go. <laughs> go Thank down you. Thank <laughs> you. That's why, that's well, why I'm, I, I'm watching Federer the side eye about this thing. I mean, like, you know, I don't like you in Paris anyway, but I'm just saying. Everybody think about that. Listen, you know there's I mean? probably going to be a mass exodus after Tokyo if Tokyo does indeed happen. No. I, do do you think I'm at least? But do you I'm think still... athletes are gonna wanna go to Tokyo? Because yeah. guess what? Okay. No one's asking about vaccination. The, the Olympics isn't requiring them to be vaccinated. Well, let's not let's not go down that road just yet. We'll have Howard come back to talk about the U.S. Open summer, or also how Wimbledon goes. Howard, I mean, we're gonna drag you back here. Back and we can talk about how they canceled Tokyo at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can we can talk about that. But, but Howard, Howard. They can I just say that? Can you tell your friend, your journalist friend, sorry? So you were saying, Andrine? I said, before they cancel the Olympics, they need to figure out which sports they can have in certain territory. I, I demand that they have gymnastics someplace. And I demand. <laughs> With our prime time. In our prime time, sorry. <laughs> I don't no, want to have to wake up at o'clock to see Simone Biles do some flips and tricks, okay? Um, <laughs> but, but you will would... if you need to. Don't, 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 don't. Don't do me like that, Aunt Janina. We're okay. friends. Sorry. But Howard, okay. when we come to Wimbledon, could you tell your journalist friends who are not in the inner sanctum of tennis? There is no T in that word. It's Wimbledon, not Wimbledon. <laughs> please, I like a Wimbledon. Please. Please. I don't want to. I don't want to. Do name, us a solid, Howard. I don't want to name my homegirl, but you know, she'd be doing solid reporting day in and day out. And then she's like, Naomi Osaka might not show up at Wimbledon. And we, 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 that ain't cute. That we need to stop that. Wimbledon. Thank you. Wimbledon right, is right, another place. Bye. I don't know where that is. But welcome. Thank you very much, Howard, for up. All right. And we love it, fans. Don't forget, you can catch us um, in all of the places. You know where we are. And ladies, J Andrine just bounced. Look at that. That's fine. Listen, she was busy. It's just us. We can wrap it up. We're good at oh, that. Oh, no. I'm here to say. Oh, she's yay. probably getting dressed. Oh. I am. I'm totally getting dressed. <laughs> <laughs> because one time, one time, Andrine decided Janina, you to do that do on that? camera. Janina, you going to do her that? We've already talked it's about it. It's true. I accidentally got up and I was undressed. <laughs> but don't worry, fans. The homosexual of the podcast did not see that. Thank you. He just doesn't want to admit it. He saw it. <laughs> All right, until next time, guys. This was fun. <laughs> I hope y'all know, ladies, that we don't even discuss the French children draws much. You know? I hope you know that. We didn't even take people away, but you know what? It's what La Poubelle opened. It's what La Poubelle opened. Goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye, real. Goodbye, y'all. Uh...